Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. The Savachi syndrome, I'm telling you, I'm like, well, holy shit, that was crazy. Wait for it. Thick and slick. <laughs> What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Moto Aftermath Show presented by TLR Coatings and Premier Custom Trailers. This is episode number 159. Trying something a little different here. I am actually recording the intro for the show after we recorded the show. So what happened is we just spent three hours talking to the one the only you've heard him on the show before coach rob me justin and cole all in studio all on the phone with coach talking i gotta thank coach a million times over um for giving us time to uh to do the podcast here and you know giving up almost three hours like i said for us to talk to him about things that happened uh before from training ac to dungy to things that are going on right now in the industry with different racers, etc. Uh, we kind of ran the whole gamut with it. The boys had some questions for him. I had some questions for him. He gave us a ton of insight, a ton of looking behind kind of the curtain because he's seen that. And uh, again, just can't thank him enough. Now, before we get into that, let's uh, go ahead and go over our sponsors here. Again, first sponsor of the show, as always, TLR Coatings. Been with us since the beginning. That is my own personal powder coating company. They do We do custom powder coating, Cerakoting, and uh, and vapor blasting, so make sure to look us up, tlrcoatings.com. Also, Premier Custom Trailers on board with us as another presenting sponsor this year. Uh, do you need a trailer, commercial or residential? Premier Custom Trailers has what you need. They work with the best manufacturers in the industry and specialize in all your trailer needs. Sales, service, parts, or rental, they do it all. PremierCustomTrailers.com, located five minutes south of Kalamazoo on US-131 in Schoolcraft, Michigan. They put the custom in customer service, so make sure to look them up for custom trailers. They're doing some sick stuff with some newly designed toy haulers, etc., and they have all your accessories and whatnot that you could need for your trailer. Um, also, on board with us here, JT Cycles helping us out with some of the prizes for our fantasy show. Um, if you guys play fantasy, uh, supercross, or motocross, we use PulpMXFantasy.com. Uh, so make sure to go in there, join our league, et cetera, et cetera. We also have a we have a Thursday, or usually we come out with it Friday. We record it Thursday, I guess, uh, before all the races. Fantasy podcast, me and Cole do, where we talk fantasy picks, picks from the weeks before, results, all that kind of stuff. Um, so make sure to go listen to that. It is on the same channel here. Uh, if you uh, if you want to listen to us on a podcast as opposed to listening to us on YouTube here, we are on all the major podcast networks, SoundCloud, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. So make sure to go check that out. Uh, also make sure to follow us on all the major social media networks. Cole is Twitter fingering and me and him are tag teaming the, uh, the Facebook and the Instagram stuff. And he's always finding some gems. So make sure to go check that out and follow us. And then again, on here on the YouTube channel, just make sure hit that thumbs up button. That helps us out a lot, especially because there's some 
a-holes out there that uh, give us a thumbs down before the video even goes up, which sucks. Uh, I'd also like to apologize for the uh, the kind of mess we had on last week's show. Uh, basically, I ran into some technical issues. The uh, video I rendered of the full show only rendered the first 36 minutes. I uploaded it, thought everything was cool. Uh, let it go live. Obviously, any of you who watched it the first, I don't know, 50 or whatever, 100 of you, thought found out that, oh, we only had the first 36 minutes. Then I did it again a second time because I thought I just uploaded the wrong file. Uh, that turned out not to be the case. It turned out the file was corrupt. Um, so I then had to re-render, which took like 12 hours to re-render the whole three-hour video, and I then had to re-upload it, hence the reason the show, instead of going up Tuesday like it was supposed to, didn't go up till I think, like, Thursday. Um, and then, luckily, like I said, we finally got it up there and going. And then I'd also like to apologize for the audio quality um, because that was just a matter of uh, hardware we actually had in studio. We were trying to use a recorder that I had bought, the recorder was not really set up for doing three people plus a call-in. There's not enough adjustments on it volume-wise to be able to make everything work. Now, luckily, we could hear the call-in people. Um, just couldn't hear us quite as well. So we do have a new audio recorder that we are using this week. So if some of the levels are off, I apologize for it. It's a work in progress. I can actually monitor levels. I feel like all the levels were semi-good, but we'll take this week's podcast and we will move forward with it and see where we get to sound quality wise but we are constantly making improvements and hey i appreciate you guys commenting saying hey the audio sucks on this side this part was good etc etc so hopefully we don't have that anymore in the future but if we do just know i'm not that tech savvy and i'm just working through this slowly um thanks to everybody for watching and now let's jump into the podcast with me cole justin and of course the one and only coach rob all right, everybody. And now, as promised here on episode number 159 of the Moto Aftermath show, we have Coach Rob on the phone with us here for somewhat of a long form show. We're going to talk uh, we're going to talk the season so far since we're halfway through. I know Cole and Justin have some questions for him regarding some of the uh, some of the past years gone by training some people. So, Coach Rob, thanks for coming on again. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. How is everything in Coach Rob's world going right now? Good evening, guys. We are doing great. We're uh, just enjoying the hot, muggy weather. If you can believe, you know, we're almost on March 1st. It's freaking 89 degrees today and miserably hot. So uh, for some of the listeners that may be up to their elbows in snow, they're, they're not very don't have a lot of sympathy for us. But, man, i got to be honest with you, the heat gets old. It gets really old early. So, But, no, a big day all the way. I don't want to sound like a negative Nelly, but uh, just – Buried, uh, you know, we just got back from California. We hosted a couple performance camps out there. We uh, we were actually at Jet Reynolds' place and uh, had Jeff Ward come out and, and work with some of the riders as well. And then Jet set it back here midweek and uh, just playing catch up. So it's, it's great to be on the show on a, on a Sunday evening with you guys. Well, that is awesome. I got to say, I'm headed to Florida in a little over a week, so I'm super happy that it's super hot now because it looks like it's you're supposed to, to be about 80 degrees when I get there. So you're going to Daytona. Ah, you're going to Daytona. Good. You, no, I actually go the Tuesday after Daytona. Uh, so I, I, well, yeah. So technically, it's like eight days, nine days, whatever it is right now. But yeah, the uh, the ninth through the sixteenth, I'll be down there. So, 
and it, the you, weather weather you come looks to Orlando? Prime. Where are you going? Yeah. Oh no, we're we're coming to Orlando. Uh, we go. We're we're big Disney people, so we're headed down to Disney cool. for for eight days there. So we're we're some of those okay. crazies that you know don't live in the state, but we still have the yearly passes, and yeah. So it, we're wild like that. <laughs> Didn't take no, me. Good for you. It's nice you, that people still enjoy it. Like oh, yeah. In the driveway, don't you have a Mickey Mouse thing made out of brick? Yes, my father yeah, did Yeah, I noticed make. that a while ago. I was yeah, like, yeah. uh, okay. Yeah. I was pulling in today and noticed that. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's been like that for like two years now. My father did make a Mickey head out of bricks in the center of the concrete driveway in the uh, in the front of the house. Yes. That's the kind of crazy <laughs> we are cool. here. It's pretty cool. Oh, I love it. It is I cool. Mean, <laughs> it's refreshing. Yeah, it's refreshing, you know, because we see it, drive by it all the time, and you tend to take it for granted. So I'm glad that it's still appreciated. And, hey, anybody that's been around Orlando recognizes that if it wasn't for Disney, I don't think we'd have the economic success that we've had. I mean, they literally put Orlando on the map, and I think a lot of people have forgotten about that. Oh, 100%. Don't, and don't worry. At some yeah. point in the not-too-distant future, I'm going to be an Orlando native also for, like, half the year. So what? There you go. Dude, I'm buying a house down there in yeah. the not-too-distant future because I'm room tired of winter. <laughs> I'll run a room yeah. for me. <laughs> well, see, look, hey, I, just haul a bike down for me so I, I, can, bro, I can go down I, there and ride. All right. Well, see, Rob, I'm, I guess I'm going to be there sooner rather than later because I already got two people to rent rooms out to. So I'm golden now. I could buy the no, house. I just want to run a spot in the garage. Just <laughs> I just need a little five by five. That'll still square. be six hundred dollars. Yeah, that's still six hundred dollars a month. <laughs> I gotta pay, I gotta pay for this Disney habit. Okay, it's not yeah. cheap. So, all right, but we didn't get Coach on here to talk about uh, talk about my Disney obsession so we'll talk about our motocross obsession, <laughs> we are gonna though. talk about the motocross obsession where do you guys want to start do you guys want to ask him your questions first because i've already had one conversation with him so Cole, your your question is probably going to be a little bit uh well shorter. i i had another interesting question that i was just thinking of here this is cole by the way rob um hey buddy we had uh i had listened to the previous um podcast that you did with travis um awesome by the way great insight loved it um and learned a lot Appreciate more about it. you that i didn't know previously um, the interesting that I had taken away from that um, was you had a history training, Ashley Filet, correct? Yes, sir. Um, so my question is, is how were you able to adapt? Obviously, everybody knows she's deaf and has some different obstacles to overcome. So what was it like training with her and having to overcome those obstacles um, with not being able to hear and stuff like that? Was it something you had you know, to do a lot differently or? You know, um, I didn't have to do anything differently, and not for the reasons that are going to seem obvious. Uh, but if you've heard me on various podcasts, and if uh, some of the listeners may have come to some of my performance workshops, the two people that have been the absolute hardest workers I've ever had was Adam C. and Ashley Filet. And I, not, it's, it's amazing when you look at the pit bull that's inside their belly. If, no matter what challenge you gave Ashley, she would never push back. In fact, she would try to, if you asked for 330s, you'd get 335s. That was just Ashley. Um, she was very, very easy to work with because she was so driven. She knew what she wanted. The communication was uh, very simple, actually, because she reads lips extremely well. And she can actually enunciate better than most people can give her credit for. And it's, it's pretty amazing considering she's never been able to hear at all. Now, one of the things that I've always found most interesting dealing with Ashley I don't say this to be uh, condescending to our listeners, but if you ever lose one sense, the other senses actually become enhanced. So, for example, with Ashley, her sense of feel is at a level that I've never seen before. 
in the area that you'll notice it the most is she never misses her second shift off the start. Never. So like when we we're toe to toe with Jessica Patterson and some of the other top females, if you go back and you look at the video, she never ever didn't get the whole shot. Yeah. And if yeah, you really an walk awesome that starter. left foot, she really was. Now, some people will yet will argue we were on a, you know, Honda, factory Honda, Jessica Patterson wasn't, uh, Ashley was a little bit lighter than Jessica. And that, certainly that all factors in, but whenever we go out and we do assessments, I always do my starts with the drop of the gate through the first turn and over the first obstacle. We don't just, you know, do starts. We always put a clock to them. Sometimes we'll do the start, first turn, second straightaway, third turn, little things like that, because there's an infinite amount of ways to get through that first turn. And what was so amazing is she would literally, if we did 40 starts, she would never have more than a tenth of a second difference over that first obstacle. She was that precise with that second shift. That's impressive. So, yeah, she was a, yeah, she really was because I live and die by just numbers alone. And no matter what you put out in front of her, you, you gave her the criteria that you were looking for. We go out and do four or five 10 lap motors and say, look, please don't be more than a second deviation. You know, unless the obvious, she pushed the front end or stalled the bike to give it to you like it was scripted out. So her sense of um, grabbing that second shift, and this is a real big pet peeve of mine, is the amount of people that don't know how to shift a dirt bike. You know, <laughs> you listen to it bouncing off the rev limiters, you watch the two strokes, they're just screaming, but they're not pulling. And that is a real bone of contention, especially for me. And I always try to teach this at my level one workshops is know when to shift your damn dirt bike. I think everybody needs to grow up on two strokes, but then they also need to learn how to ride two strokes. They're a little more forgiving than the old, you know, I grew up with a 78 RM80 and if you didn't keep it on the pipe, that thing was a dog. And, uh, all the way up to my 125. So it was pretty crazy. But she's awesome to work with and great people, great parents. And uh, you guys follow her on Instagram by chance? Uh, I do not. Um, I yeah. did, and then I ended up getting a different Instagram, stuff like that. Never followed her back. <laughs> gotcha. But now, she's still very active. Okay. She does that some women's camps question. and stuff like that. So it's cool that she's still in the sport. It, so another thing that just popped into my head while we were talking about starts there. So... After watching some of the older Gary Bailey videos, and I did a Gary Bailey class back when I was younger, he was really big on the heel shifting into second. And we don't style. Yeah, and we don't really see that nowadays. And I, I guess what's your opinion on that, Rob? Why do you think we don't see the heel shifting on the starts anymore? This is going to sound like a crazy answer, but I just don't think people practice starts enough. Yeah. You know, you get into that school thought, if you go look at the MXGPs, look at the majority of the guys that start with one foot on the ground. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you see someone starting with one foot on the ground over here, people think you're screwball, you know? Right. Um, It's funny how things fall out of flavor and come back into flavor. Um, I'm still intrigued that the butt patch fell out of popularity. Yeah. You know, with the exception of Forkner and Pixie Sticks. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So I think the 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 heel shift the same way. Okay, Justin, you got a question? Hi, Coach Rob. This is Justin. Uh, big fan. Hey, brother. Don't, don't want to act like a fanboy, but uh, I definitely 
anything anytime you're on a podcast or you're talking about something i always try to listen um so i know that you uh, probably talked it. about this a million different times and probably not going to tell us anything we don't already know but uh I would just like to know what it was like dealing with uh, AC as an amateur. You know, I s- spent a lot of time around the amateur nationals when he was, you know, going from 50s to 60s to 80s and eventually schoolboy class and stuff like that. And I just want to know what it was like dealing with all the hype and, you know, trying to basically disconnect all of that and just focus on the racing side of things because we all know there's been so much pressure on Adam since he was basically on juniors, you know, and I just would like to know sure. – how you guys dealt with that through all those years, because there were so many different people coming at Adam about, you got to do this and you got to do this. And, you know, I, I know that that's not going to be an easy thing to separate all that and just focus on racing and training. Yeah. I was really fortunate in that regards because when Alan C Adam's dad, uh, when they had reached out to me, they were, you know, they were doing well. Obviously, they had the team green ride at the time, but they didn't have all the people in their ears with what to do off the bike, which made my life. There wasn't a lot to undo. And the the cool part about Adam, as I said earlier, at the time he was training with Zach Freeberg, Zach Commons, um, John John Ames, and they were all at Waldo. You know, the four of them were training every day together. And they would bring Ronnie Tishner as a riding coach. And it it was a a real good, the camaraderie was really good. The thing that was interesting about Adam is we were able to, to kind of tighten up a few things. Like he had texture issues really bad. So fruits and vegetables just didn't cooperate with him very well. So the eating had its unique challenges. Um, For those of you that know, I have my own (laughs) supplement. Yeah, exactly. My uh, one of my products in my supplement line is called the complete greens, complete reds and complete oranges. And all it is, is it's essentially fruits and vegetables that have been dried, ground up, and you can put them into your smoothies to try to get the nutrient value that the genesis behind that was AC's inability to small swallow fruits and vegetables. So when you look at things like that, Yeah, yeah, you don't oh, eat yeah. bananas either. It, oh, I'm terrible about it. I I have never been good with fruits or veggies, yeah, and you it's don't, all a texture issue with me. Me and this kid, we're we're in California absolutely. together. Every time I'd eat bananas in the morning, he'd always make fun of me. <laughs> that was for a different yeah, reason. Absolutely. Yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> so, but what the, the cool part with AC is when I had a chance to get him, you know, he had just come off of Cobras. He was obviously, you know, had signed a pretty good deal with Mitch and and with Ryan Holiday and the guys at Cali. But when it came to the training side of it, they were all ears. They were willing to do everything and anything. Ronnie Tishner had a lot of confidence. With I got the opportunity with Adam because I had worked with Ian Treadle as well as um, Ashley Filick for Ronnie Tishner. And then that germinated over to AC. And then there's a little bit of a history background. Alan C., I used to be a statistical analysis in the grocery industry. And Adam's grandfather was the CEO of the grocery store chain that I was doing statistical analysis for in college. Interesting. What chain and was so it? And so it was Gooding Supermarket. Okay. That's I have heard, heard of that yep. before. Yeah. Yep. Mr. Gooding came out of Ohio, came down to Florida, and Alan was managing one of our stores, and his dad was the CEO of the company. So when I got a call from Alan, it wasn't like we hadn't met before, but in all truthfulness, I knew his son rode, but I didn't really know at what level. And that's a conversation for another day, maybe, because I had really, really tried my hardest not to get into the sport of moto. Because like anything, if you get too close to it, you end up becoming jaded. 
And I didn't want that. I'm still one of the biggest fans of the sport to this day. And I just, I pushed and pushed and pushed until I finally ended up signing a deal with Toyota with their moving forward program. And that's what pulled me into the sport. But your, your original question about working with Adam, here was the number one thing that I told Adam, you are already at the pinnacle. So we have to find fun and creative ways to keep you challenged. You you take any of my other riders, like right now, Logan Best is at the top of my list. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're one of the top three guys in the country, you've only got one or two guys that we have to checkmate. When you're 15th or 20th, you've got plenty of targets that you can chase. There's a lot of people that could be your motivation in the morning. I used to say to Adam, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And so what we would do every year, even though it was unrealistic, it set the bar as high as we could. Our goal was to get his super mini into the top 20 fastest lap times for the week at Loretta's because it wasn't just winning Loretta's that was kind of assumed that we were expected to do that. He worked hard enough to do it. No disrespect to anybody else. The only person we really had to beat was Cooper Webb and <laughs> Cooper was on the one, uh, yeah, the one, you know, Cooper was on the 150S, so we had him on horsepower. Adam was lighter than Cooper, so we knew we had the whole shot. What we had to do was stay out of Cooper's way so he wouldn't clean us out in the corners. That was the only <laughs> way that we could beat Cooper. I've seen that a plenty of so, times. He would never do that. That's fake news. I've seen that plenty of times. He's yeah, the, exactly. He's the cleanest rider ever. Uh, that would clean. never happen. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, when, you know, if we, if we bring Cooper into the fold, I think it because of Cooper having to be the guy he was, always in the shadow and we know that whole story with cooper mm-hmm. i think that's made him one of the best tacticians on the track to this day 100 percent. and yeah i don't think that at the end of the day that was a bad thing i'm proud of him that he was able to persevere when you know ac was getting all the offers in the world and again we've talked we've all heard cooper's conversation about that but the thing that i said to adam is you've got to find a way to be faster than yourself so the only way to set that bar was literally one lap at a time and we just kept picking and picking and picking. And it was interesting when we started seeing the 250 lap times, it was incredible to see how he'd pick up a 10th of a second here, a 10th of a second there when really nobody thought he could go any faster. And Adam's Alex, Adam's dad, Alan, I have the utmost respect for. He's a fantastic guy. He's very, very particular about do things right or don't waste your time. And I'm very big on pushing the accountability and responsibility element. So he and I got along well. I know a lot of people, he rubs the wrong way, but I do respect what he was trying to do, the message he was trying to convey. And uh, I enjoyed working with him the whole time. His mom, Adam's mom, Christy, uh, his sister, Emily, uh, very, very cool people. Not just because Adam was Adam, just you get them away from the racetrack. And they were just great people. You know, go on cruises, go to the beach go to the movies, go bowling, hang out. They weren't this pretentious. They weren't obsessed with it as soon as we walked away from the track, which was very, very refreshing, as you can imagine. I think one of the biggest reasons why people feel that way about Alan is because of, what was it? Was it inside the outdoors when they were following him around? I think it was in the 20, it wasn't his rookie season, maybe the 2015 season or whatever. I think he still had the 292 on the bike. So So maybe that had to have been his rookie season. And they were just seeing that. And I think... I think a lot of people were like, oh, boy, here we go. we we got another Tony Alessi on our hands. And if anybody knew <laughs> sure. the, the Cincerellos, they knew that that wasn't the case. But just 
from an outsider's perspective, I think that that's what people had thought. They were like, well, here we go. We got another super talented kid. He's the next big thing. And then his dad's going to be overbearing. Cause we all know we've all been around the sport long enough. We all know how moto dads are. They have a hard time letting go with any, with any of the dads, Josh Grant's sure. dad's sure. the same way. He still goes to the races, does this and well, not anymore, but he was for a long time he's involved with the grandkids. And yeah. Stuff now. You know? And, and I think that people just saw that with Alan. They were like, well, he's just going to be another Tony Alessi. And that was just because people didn't know, the Cincerellos. They didn't, they didn't see what was actually going on at the amateur nationals and leading up to that point, it, he was just one of the best out of Adam and he knew what he could accomplish. And it wasn't like Tony where Tony was just, he had his hands in everything. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Well, do you mind if I elaborate on that comment right there? Of course. The of course thing that I loved mind. about Alan was Alan never put an expectation that he knew Adam couldn't obtain. Um, I've never met Mr. Alessi before. I've never spoken to the Alessi brothers at all. To me, when I look back as, yes, I'm in the industry, but at the time I wasn't seeing the Alessis, you know, in action at the track. Mm. I did have the privilege of seeing how Alan was. Alan didn't, just for illustration purposes, he didn't put a gap that was five seconds. He's like, Adam, I know we can get another half second in this lap here, here, and here little bit throttle control, lay in the backsides, don't clip the rear wheel. I know we can get a tenth on this lap. And I don't think people understood that. Alan, he set the bar of accountability, but it was very manageable expectations. And what I still don't understand is if you step back and you look at the success that Adam had, and if you stop and look at Adam's, excuse me, Alan's very incremental, this is what I know we can do, we'll set the bike up. Now he put the burden on me. I need to make sure that Adam is in shape to do what, and I don't, I think most of the listeners know this, but nobody touched Adam C's bikes except Mitch Payton. His bikes were completely built from the ground up by Mitch. So when that showed up in Port Orange, the only person that worked on that bike was Alan C. And the reason why I say it that way is Alan knew what the bike was capable of and they knew what they could do and what they could adjust to make that bike go where it needs to go in the corners, in the braking bumps, and the rest stuff. And what Alan and I would always talk about is I needed to make sure this is going to sound a little out of context based on what Adam's trajectory ended up going. But I used to say, and I still do to this day, if I'm working with an athlete that's on a 65, I want to make sure they're getting prepared for the 85. I'm not training them for a 65 because it's not if we're going to an 85, it's when. Yep. And at the time when we were on the super mini, he, I was trying to make sure that he was fit enough to handle a Mitch Payton built super mini, which is essentially a bullet. So it wasn't even like getting him ready for a 125. It was getting him ready for a Mitch built 85. And then as we did that, the suspension, you know, there's always that fine line where you'll and not, this isn't just Adam or Coop or anybody else. It's a lot of times the moto dads, they want stiffer suspension, faster motors, not realizing that the fitness is lingering behind. So all the fast bike stiffer suspension does is beat the rider down quicker. Alan C was one of the most in tune dads that said, are we in a position that we can take the bike to this next level? And he didn't try to declare that he knew physiology. He didn't debate nutrition. His question is, are we in a position that I can physiologically adjust, excuse me, can I make a mechanical adjustment to the motorcycle based on Adam's physiological development? Now, to me as a physiologist, that's like music to my ears because Alan never once blamed fitness for what Adam did or didn't do. 
Alan never blamed the bike for what Adam did or didn't do. Alan always held Adam to the accountability factor. Did you ride the bike to its potential? Did you give 100%? And if those two things happen, we're going to win. Now, some of the some listeners may look at that as being arrogant, but I think the results are pretty solid. <laughs> that that yeah. wasn't an unrealistic ex- expectation of AC as a rider and as a tactician and as a responsible athlete. Same thing with the ability to articulate his thought. I mean, the list goes on and on. And his mom was very, very instrumental as well, but just very quiet behind the scenes. And a lot of people don't realize that Sister Emily was as well. She'd keep him laughing all the time. There's one of the reasons why Alan, excuse me, Adam is so funny is because of his sister, Emily, they just jab each other all the time. And I think that helps keep Adam pretty balanced. Interesting. So I I guess I have a question here to keep as long as we're on the AC train here. How, how did the conversation go and how did it go when he was wanting to switch over to Alden's program? Was that, was that an Adam decision? Was that an Allen decision? Was that a Kawasaki decision? I mean, yeah, it was, it was definitely a Kawasaki decision. Okay. Um, and, and, and I don't mind being a hundred percent transparent with it. I got a call from Alan and Christy. They called me both and said, Hey, um, there's a good chance that we're going to have to go to, and just for the listeners in the background, Alden was working with Villopoto. Villopoto had started to rent Grant Langston's place, which is now called the sandbox. Yep. He was renting that from Grant Langston. And I got a phone call from Christy and Mitch and excuse me, from Alan and Christy. And they said, look, we have been approached by Kawasaki and we're being told that we have to go with Alden. We told them that we want to stick with you, but they're saying we have to go there. And I said in the same tone of voice that I'm saying to the listeners tonight, I said to them, you have to go what's right for Adam and I don't own a facility and you have a chance to train with Ryan Villopoto. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the whole Alden Baker thing, whether or not the program's good or not, we could have a, we could do it, and we could talk about it tonight if you want. <laughs> oh, we could oh, talk about it. Oh, we, oh, I'm interested. Yeah, oh, boy. <laughs> we, I mean, we all, we all have some, some thoughts on that program over here. I'm not a fan of the here. whole Alden Baker experiment. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I've got my thoughts. Yeah. Too, but. As, I, as I'm but, sure but you, have your, my... you have your thoughts that I know you haven't been necessarily quiet at keeping, because <laughs> I've heard I love some it. of them on the old Cooksey show there for a while, which was awesome. Sure, sure. Well, and the idea here is it doesn't matter if I'm working with AC, Logan Best, Ian Treadle. You know, the list goes on and on. The idea is no matter what, I need to do to get them to the next level. I have to go that route. And the only thing that hurts me is I always treat my riders like they're my own kids. I'm going to make sure that they're healthy before I ask them to do something because no matter how proficient these riders are, they're still our children first. Yep. You know, Adam was Christy and Adam's Alan's son first. And I always say to the riders, I even say to the new parents that I meet, I will never ask your son or daughter to do something at the expense of their health, whether that means riding with a concussion, riding with an aggravated itis, you know, tendonitis of the knee or something like that. Because there's a saying in the physiology world that if you don't let the first injury recover, the second one only happens quicker and it's usually more severe. So when you go back to the the phone call with Adam and going to to work with Alden and Villopoto, I'm like, check this out. You've got this three and a half minute outdoor track. You get to chase one of the fastest riders in history 
you get to have your own facility. And what do I have to offer you? You know, I can go to Waldo with you. I can go to various tracks, but I, I can't put you in that environment. And I said, when you can get a chance to go chase Villapoto around at that time, he was going up to the goat farm and was doing some fun stuff with Ivan Tedesco and those guys up there. That's a completely, that's taking Adam's writing to another level. It's getting another level of knowledge. Yes, I can share with him what I've learned through various writers, but talking about the Cliff Note version, when Bill Opoto is giving you his insight and all the people that have guided him on the West Coast, you put that on a very, very young AC, and I, I just thought it was the best move for him ever. Um, I miss him. I miss his parents. I mean, his dad and I talk more than um, I talk with, with Adam or anything like that, um, and his sister and I are on Instagram communicating just because I still have her at the age of being 13, 14 years old, you know, but she's <laughs> up in Jacksonville in school. Yep. So we forget that the clock keeps ticking and, but great family. And, um, but no, I, I had to embrace that. Um, here's the thing that I can sleep really good at night. I knew that when Alan and Christy made that decision, it was for the right move for Adam. And I knew that I was handing Adam off to whomever as strong and flexible and mentally capable. Now the next chapter was to be, you know, was to be seen. And obviously it didn't go too well, but, you know, I, I could only wish the best for him. And, you know, I'm glad he's gotten to where he's at. I know it's been a bumpy road, but it was, it, they were one of the finest families to ever work for, for sure. That's awesome. Now, how, I, I know we're going down memory lane here and uh, I know we were going to talk some modern stuff and we'll get to that too. How does the Dungey sure, thing come sure. about? Um. Back in the uh, early, I don't remember what year it was, uh, Jeremy Martin and Alex Martin's dad, John, was starting a team out of the uh, Millville track. Okay. And they had Spencer Dowie, they had Alex, and they had Jeremy. And the Martin brothers had hit me up and asked if I would start working with them. And so we did. And I'm going to shorten up the conversation we did that program for a couple of years together and I always stayed in good uh, terms and communications with Spencer Dowling. Well, Spencer Dowling went on to become Ryan Dungey's best man in his wedding. Okay. And so Spencer was training with me here in Orlando and Dungey had just signed the Suzuki deal. And of course everyone knows the story. Nobody knew who Dungey was, but I didn't really know of him. I didn't, and am not enamored by anybody's last name. But Spencer called me and said, hey, Rob, um, my buddy Ryan is flying into Orlando. He's going to start training at James Stewart's place. You want to go to dinner? Sure. You know, Spencer and I are buds. And so I had two little boys. And anybody that rides moto, they just think it's cool to hang around with them. They, they can't differentiate between RC and, you know, my local fast guy. So they bring their little cast iron guys to the dinner. So it's myself, my ex-wife, my two boys, Spencer and Dunge. And we're just sitting at the table, just having dinner. I'm just trying to make small talk and didn't know Dungey from anybody, to be honest with you. And so just making small chat with Dunge. And, you know, he was, he's a relatively quiet guy, but not arrogant, not cocky, but just relatively quiet. And I was making small talk with him. And I just said, hey, he said, Brian, I said, you know, congrats on your Suzuki deal. I said, you know, what, what is your goal? You know, what do you want to do in the sport? Because I just want to beat every record that RC ever established. And he didn't laugh and he wasn't being condescending. He was just kind of matter of fact, very dungeonish, you know? 
bold move. Yeah, you got to remember. <laughs> yeah, I would have been kind of exactly like right. blown remember, back. Just like, well, my thing was I didn't know him from Adam. You know, it's just like the local guy telling me he wants to be faster than Villopoto. Okay, that's cool. Every, everybody wants to be the next RC and probably thinks they are until the rubber hits the road. So that dinner went on. Dungey goes out, trains with Stewart for however long it was until he stuck that wheel in on Stewart at the U.S. Open. And then Mr. That. Stewart had all of Dungey's stuff sitting at the front gate for him when he showed up on Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, um, awesome. And he was, was yeah, he was that. no longer welcome at Stewart's I compound. I never knew that was the reason why, though. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Literally, uh, what the Stewarts like to do is they like to always have people there that James can use and abuse. And then... Uh, when Ryan stuck that wheel in on him, that was it. Mr. Stewart had enough, and literally his stuff was sitting at the front gate that next morning when they got back from uh, the West Coast. That sounds really familiar with these older older riders because I've heard several things of, of Carmichael being the same way, of like, you were cool to come ride at my place and like you started use you as a cone, basically, until you start uh, – throwing it in on me or do something I don't like, and then boom, you're gone, and we're on to the next one. I think Langston used to do that with people, too. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's interesting. Yep. No, it, absolutely. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, so anyway. Well, and so, yep, so, so what ended up happening there was uh, Dunge left, and he got a chance to go up to the goat farm, and uh, he had, had been up there. I don't know how long he was there, and then I got a, I got a phone call from Spencer, and he goes, hey, um, I was with dinner with Dunge yesterday and he's got some questions about some fatigue issues and some things like that. And would you be willing to talk to him? I said, absolutely. So we did several interviews together, had him send some heart rate. Uh, he let me log into his heart rate data and just kind of gave him my feedback on it. Uh, not because it was Dunge, just because this is going to sound really awkward. Spencer Daly and I go way back and Spencer has always been a hard worker. And unfortunately he, he had some unforeseen injuries that kept, his career from going very far, but it didn't matter if, if I was talking to Dungey or Trey Kennard or Stewart or anybody else, if somebody calls and asks a question, I don't really care who the person is on the other end. I just want to get into the meat of the data that you're asking about. And that's what Dunge was really cool about. So he let me look at some data. I gave him my feedback. We looked at some food logs, gave him some feedback and we just kind of let it germinate for a while. And then uh, he hit me up, I guess it was, around October, November, I said, he called me up and said, Hey, I, I really think I want to, I want to start doing some work together. And we, we talked. So I drove up to Tallahassee, we spent a couple of days with him. We kind of discussed what it would take given his race schedule and all that. And boom, uh, starting at Christmas, we were together. And, um, I take that back. We actually got together right early in November. Cause I remember we trained through Thanksgiving, trained through Christmas. And then of course, a one and, it was an interesting time because he had just signed with KTM and that KTM is an absolute stink bug in the whoops, oh, yeah. but yet he just came off of an RM that turns like a unicycle. So it was interesting because he has a new team, new bike, you know, Roger had just moved to KTM. So there was a lot of negative publicity. We all heard it. Oh my goodness. Roger just put a nail in his coffin. It'll be the end of his career. Dungy just, jumped off the end of a cliff. You know, we heard all the negative chatter. <laughs> the air so, shot going flat. Was, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun with it. And uh, there, you know, we had a we had a good run at Supercross together and stuff like that. And then some, some of the pieces behind the scenes started to change. Uh, a couple people got in Ryan's ear. Um, 
things that caused him and I not to see eye to eye on things on the methodology. And, and I was totally cool with that. And then he just said, Hey, I got to move on to other things. And I said, no problem. Big handshake. Best of luck to you and Lindsay. And, you know, we still text hello, Merry Christmas, happy new year's kind of a thing. No hard feelings whatsoever. Still think the world of both of them. Uh, it's just exactly the same way AC needed to move on same way that, you know, Ryan needed to move on. Um, and I say this very, very humbly. We, our supply channel is very filled and we have a very long waiting list. And I say that very humbly. So what we have done as a company is we have opted not to work with the pros anymore um, for a ton of different reasons. But for the most part is once these guys get to a certain point, all it takes is one person getting in their ear. You could have 12 years of quantified statistics you can show the methodology, you can show the incremental improvements, but as soon as someone gets in their ear and puts a shadow of doubt, and I hate to say it this way because I love all the existing pros that are out there, past and present, but they're very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They can be persuaded very easily. They well, can be put into a mode of... <laughs> I have a word. Say Not that again. I have a Fair. word. Let's see that. Let's hear Let's that hear word, it. buddy. Well, it's it? not a bad word. I just I, I think that a lot of the pros nowadays are a little soft. I just do. I'm that's, that's it. We were all that built. No up man. No, I'm not going to be rude. Soft. I'm not going to be wow. rude with Coach Rob on the phone. I just think a lot of them are soft. I really do. Well, the thing the thing that I have to question is, you know, if I go back to '78 when I first started riding, the only book of fitness that was out there was by Brad Lackey, and I read that thing like it was a Bible you look at the advent of the, you know, the heart rate monitors and all the information that we have, we can no longer plead ignorance. And when you look at the proliferation of adrenal fatigue, Epstein-Barr, just the, all these fatigue issues associated with relatively young riders. And yet when you show the evidence on the patterns on how it happens and you give a methodology that doesn't go down the same path, we get met with resistance because Mine's not flavorful. Mine's not, I guess, volatile. Mine's not aggressive. Trust me, when your body is showing it's ready to fire on all eight cylinders, I've got plenty of workouts that'll improve your lactate tolerance, your anaerobic threshold, your sprint speed, your endurance, your strength to weight ratios, your VO2. Whatever physiological nugget you want to get into, I can definitely help you improve it. But I would say it this way. If you look at how absolute we are with our hour meter, if that thing has 10 hours on it, we're like, oh, top end. And then if you don't change the top end and then you're surprised that the motor blows, people are like, well, you're an idiot. You have 44 hours on your top end. When did you think it was going to let go? You know, you got 100 hours on your meter and you haven't rebuilt the bottom end. You just keep throwing bold new graphics on it. <laughs> and yet people, you know, but yet when you deal with the human physiology and you explain to them, look, Here's signs of adrenal fatigue. You know, and they're pretty obvious. Suppressed appetite, night sweats, you no know, sex drive, craving simple sugars, whatever the, all these external signs. And people go, oh, you just think I'm a pansy, especially the moto dads. You know, suck it up, buttercup, let's go. And I'm like, well, it's like yelling at an hour meter that the motor just needs to suck it up and get tough. And so when you push back on these athletes that are making a lot of money or Unfortunately, a lot of the guys today aren't making a lot of money. Their egos, they get fed on social media, you know, 60, 70, 80,000 followers, 100,000 followers. They think that they know everything. 
and I'm not in a position, I don't have the patience to babysit stupidity. And I don't say that in a, I don't say it in a derogatory state. It's like, if I can show you the numbers, I, if I can show you your hour meter and then I'm a mechanic and you're telling me you're just going to make the bike push through it because it's so absolute and mechanical, you would laugh at me and call me an idiot. The motor is tired. Everything about the bike is tired, but yet if a mechanic doesn't rebuild it, the bike implodes. No one is really surprised, but you show an athlete the path you're on. You show them with clarity. What's the catalyst behind it. And they argue with you. And I'm like, I'm fucking out, dude. I'm out because I'm not here to beg you to become a millionaire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if the listeners really understand a 250 program is a $50,000 a night win for some contracts. Yep. That's a $500,000 end of year bonus. You know, 10 races at 50 grand, 500. I mean, and you want to argue with me when you, 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 you have no appetite, your sleep scores suck. You have no sleep cycles. You have no deep sleep. And I'm telling you, you got to pull back today and you're like, oh, you just think I'm a pansy or you don't know what you're doing. Don't you know I got a race next week? Well, no shit, Sherlock. I've seen the race <laughs> schedule. I know when you're racing. Yep. You know, I, I'm not here to try to be argumentative. I'm trying to freaking help you. Yep. It's crazy to it's me. It's like why nobody can take criticism nowadays. That's what the man friends are there for. That's yeah. why everybody has a man friend Amen. that had their ego. Yeah. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've told you this the last time we talked, and I'll tell it to you again, is that by listening, just listening to what you say in all these podcasts has helped me tremendously. And I'll give you a prime example of something I've only realized since our last conversation of you talking about having the stressed bike and not realizing it. So in my younger years, when I was working out, so say early 20s, I was working a job where, yeah, there was stress, but not a lot. I was coming home, I didn't have a family or anything, and I could go do a three-hour workout and then turn around and come home and have a little something to eat and then go run four miles after that or ride my dirt bike or whatever and do morning cardio and all all of this crazy stuff like that, where now I'm into my early 30s. And if yeah. I do some, if I do a day like that, I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm literally dying. And it's, it's been a bit of a, I don't know what the hell to do with it because, um, humbling. Yeah. Because it's like, I, I'm one of those people of like, oh man, you're just being a bitch. Like, stop being a bitch. Just get out there and do it. Yeah. But, but then when I wear my polar watch, which with the industry, I mean, I can't wear it all the time because I don't want to ruin this you know three hundred dollar watch or whatever but it's like for example the other night i i usually work out say four o'clock in the afternoon after i pick my daughter up from or after my daughter gets home from school so i put the watch on i work out my workouts i'll burn say 500 to 700 calories usually i'll i'll go maybe an hour hour and a half at most and it's nothing drastically hard i have a home gym so it's nothing crazy right then yeah i wore it all night after that so i wore it from say four o'clock in the afternoon until I got done. Cause I always work a little bit of a night shift since my shop's right at my house too, until I was done with that. And by the time I went to bed at 11 o'clock, just in that say seven hour span, I had burned 2,500 calories according to that watch. And I don't know how many steps or whatever, but I just basically looked at the calorie count and went, Holy crap. I just burned what they said was a whole day calorie count in 
seven it's seven hours of the evening that's not counting since i've been up since 5 a.m you know so i'm doing all that and i'm like it's no wonder that my body cannot take doing a three-hour workout and an hour of cardio in the morning and ride after i come home from working out and all this stuff like that because the amount and that's not even the tangible stuff that's the tangible stuff not the non-tangible like the stress of I have a six-year-old, I have a family, I own my own business that's in its infancy. And so, you know, there's some days you're doing great and some days you're not, you know? So you add all those factors into, like you say, the body that you're stressing. And then you're trying to, on top of that, throw a three-hour workout, ride for 45 minutes, you know, whatever else. I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. And now that I realize that and I can adjust the workouts accordingly where it's like, okay, cool. Like I'm doing a workout. I'm not lifting quite as much as I was, especially in the weight department. I'm not going as hard on cardio. I'm not doing, you know, six minute miles for three or four miles in a row type deal. It's like we're, I mean, I'm basically to the point where I can walk on an incline, get my heart rate in the area it needs to be, which is low, long and slow and, you know, go that way from it. And Boom, I, I know that it's working the body in a way it needs to be worked, and yet I can still sustain a normal life beyond that type deal. So, yeah, the people that are listening to you that don't see what you're saying or, or the people that are working with you that don't see what you're saying about this stuff, they're just, they, they've got their head in the sand. I, I appreciate everything that you're saying there. Now take it 10,000 foot further. You know, yes, you could go harder but then it takes you four days to recover from one day's workout. You get on the incline, you keep the intensity low. What does that allow you to do? Improve your consistency. What's the only two things that'll slow you down? An injury or an illness. Mm -hmm. What suppresses an immune system? Excessive stress. And it sounds a little bit rhetorical, but I don't mean for it to. You know, you you kind of threw a number on. I hope the listeners will grab a piece of paper. When you said you burnt 2,500 calories, was that for the day or just the workout? No, that was literally like from, that, say, 4 o'clock in the afternoon to 11 o'clock at night. Now, granted, the okay. so so that was, I worked out for, say, hour, hour and a half, which burns, say, five to 700 calories, roughly, depending upon what I'm doing. I then yep. have, you know, homework with the kiddo. I'm doing some light computer work. Maybe we're playing some video games together. I'm having dinner in there, you know, so just light moving around the house type deal. And then I come back out and I put in a couple more hours in the shop. Now, mind you, my job as a powder coater, I'm on my feet, I'm walking around, I'm carrying parts. Some of them are light, some of them are heavy. I'm pushing racks around, that kind of stuff. So I'm not like sitting at a desk working. I'm, I'm on the move. So that's a little bit different than, say, a normal person that works a desk job. But still, it amazed me that in, in seven hours in the evening with probably at least a couple of hours there where I'm really not doing much, I'm sitting... I'm watching TV with the kid. We're doing homework, that kind of stuff. Like I burn 2,500 calories according to my my watch, and I use a Polar Vantage M. Is that what we got, yep. Cole? Yeah, yep. Polar Vantage M. So it's it's not like it's a a super low quality watch that might be giving me some way out of proportion number there. You know, it's it's should be somewhat in the ballpark, I would assume. Very much so. Very much so. But here's where I want the listeners to grab a piece of paper. So from 4 to 11 p.m., you burnt 2,500 calories. Yep. There's there's 75 calories in an extra large egg. So you would need to eat 33 eggs before you go to bed <laughs> just to break even on the calorie burn rate. Yeah. Now, we're not getting into high-quality fats that feeds the adrenal. 
We're not getting into enough amino acids to rebuild the muscles. We're not get, talking about enough complex carbohydrates to replenish depleted glycogen. That, that's all in and above the, the whole pay grade of what we're talking about. <laughs> so for the listeners that don't understand where stress is coming from, think about it. You, and for those of you that have heard me on my own podcast, I, I preach this every time. There's four quadrants of life that we live in, and we're all in it. It's either the quadrant of personal professional for the kids that are listening would be academic financial and athletic no matter what you do on a daily basis even if you don't exercise you're still negatively affecting the element of health and wellness now the key is if you and i've I've given this illustration before but maybe for some of the new listeners draw a straight line on your piece of paper and put a little triangle on the bottom of it on top of that line to the left draw a big box and break it into four quadrants. And that's where I want you to put personal, professional, financial, and athletic. And then above that box, just write the word stress. Because those are all the categories that the listeners are dealing with on an hourly basis. Now on the other side of that line, write one big box and divide it into two components and put food and sleep in there. And this is literally the about the correct balance between training and absorbing what you're doing and training and falling into that line of over overdoing it. Because look at your illustration. The only thing that can offset stress in our life is food and sleep. That's it. There's nothing else that's gonna do it for you. You can't deal with more than one hundred percent stress. So yeah, you could be very, very busy at work. You get a really big order. Sure, the professional may commandeer a little bit of your time. Maybe you didn't get to work out as much as you wanted to today, but the sum total of that box is still going to be 100% stress. Now, you're, now your daughter's ill. So now the interpersonal takes a little bit more of your time. You just got a big tax liability. It's going to take more of your time, but it still never adds up to more than 100%. But as that scale gets out of balance, we don't eat, we don't sleep. And then when you don't eat, your sleep gets negatively affected. Now you've started an endless loop that smokes the adrenals. The adrenals get smoked. Then you start having inadequate sleep. Now your immune system is suppressed. Now you don't get enough sleep, so the tendons, the ligaments, and muscles don't get stronger. And you have a suppressed immune system. Now you're doubly fucked. You, <laughs> you don't stand a snowball's chance. You're done. Yep. But you got a guy yelling at you. You've got a hired trainer. You've got a facility trainer. You've got a team trainer. You've got to suck it up. You've got to go. Let's go. Suck it up. But really? That's like yelling at the mechanic. They're all sitting in a huddle yelling at the motorcycle, telling the motorcycle to suck it up. That's how absurd the example is. (laughs) But if it's mechanical, everybody buys it. If it's physiological, you're not tough enough. Until we get the diagnosis that's plagued, I could give you 15 people off the top of my hand. (laughs) off the top of my head that didn't get to fulfill their second year contract because Epstein-Barr, Epstein, Epstein-Barr, chronic fatigue, whatever the disease is. And Justin may have heard me say this previously, so I apologize. It's redundant. Once a cell becomes out of balance, but you get your blood work done and you're out of your uh, B6, B12 and iron is out of range. It's low. Well, that cell is now at what we call a state of imbalance. But once that cell stays in that, then that cell starts to negatively affect the makeup of the tissue because cells make up tissue. 
tissues make up an organ. An organ makes up a system. A series of systems makes up the body. So when do we finally wake up? When we get a diagnosis of a disease. We've got some blood-borne disease. We have Epstein-Barr, chronic fatigue. I know some of those are nebulous. Some people will argue that they're completely separate. Some will say they're identical. That's not what the four of us are talking about tonight. What we're saying is, why do we wait until the wheels completely come off the bus? Oh, that's right. Because this upside down asinine system we have has a hundred other kids right in the hopper. So as soon as you roach this kid, and this is what pisses me off about these facilities and these so-called trainers, as soon as these trainers, and I can give you five top pros that are now in the quote unquote human performance trainer business that have absolutely ruined some of our top talent. All of MTF. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry, I was just waiting to say, say that, that again. All of MTF. Say it again. All of MTF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we triggered Rob there well, a little bit. <laughs> I like it. Well the, well, the crazy part about it is the results don't lie. It isn't, you know, as they say, it isn't bragging if you can back it up. Well, it isn't hearsay. If you, if you get five people that would come clean and show their blood and show their training logs, and show the lack of structure, and show the idiocracy that's behind it until we do what? Until we roach these kids' adrenals, we shorten their professional career, we stuff them in a helmet when their head's swollen from a concussion and act like it didn't happen. It, it's just insane to me. I think you just described all of TLDKTM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last few years. And the lack of results there. Right there. hundred you know? percent. Well, the number uh, one that jumps well, to my mind when we talk about MTF would be Jordan Smith and how he yeah. can't stay healthy. Yeah. Well, Tristan Charbonneau was the same way. Yeah. Why his GP experience didn't, didn't go right. And he went on a podcast recently and talked all about that. But yeah, well, Smitty, Smitty is definitely a prime example. And, and I think another example, um, after watching some of the, the verb video that just dropped recently, uh, Pierce Brown at the track and how they're ripping him a new ass. Yeah. His he's mechanic. just getting back on the bike. Yeah. I, I being a former yeah. mechanic myself, I appreciate what his mechanic was saying to him because people don't realize the bond that is between a mechanic and a rider, especially at that level. Yeah. But I didn't really like the way yeah. his mechanic was speaking to him in the sense that right. he was basically he was just berating him. And I don't know if he was just doing that for the you know, because there was like a fifteen minute video and they wanted to do it, you know, make it a little bit more well, edgy. Well, even in that video, sure. dumps the front end. Yeah, and, and Pierce is going, I can't go any faster. Yeah, I mean he's just getting back on the bike for how many times he'd been riding? He, I think but. he'd been riding only a month, and he, but he was even telling his mechanic, and I don't know his mechanic's name, but he was like, "Dude, I, I can't, I can't go any faster. I don't know what to do." And and his mechanic was saying the right words, but he was saying it in the wrong way. And it's like, like you said, he crashed right after that, and it's because his mechanic yeah. got in his head, and he was like, "Oh crap! Like I, I got to push it a little bit harder." The track yeah. was slick, the whoops were cut, and it's like, I, I don't know. Yeah, and yeah, I, I just feel like it can be approached a much differently way for a kid that's 18, 19 years old who Absolutely. is finding a place in life in general, let alone on a motocross bike. Which I don't know if any of, and this is more for you, Travis, because you're such a critic of him, but I don't know if any of you guys oh saw Savachi's recent post on uh, oh yeah, talking yeah. about the mental side of things and everything that has gone on with him. Uh, I saw some people make some comments on that, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Well, I didn't see the comments. I just saw his post, and he was talking about it. And being a, a big Savachi fan and stuff, he he just basically said, he's like, hey, I'm dealing with a lot of stuff, and I think that 
if you read between the lines of what he was saying, it goes back further than just the last couple of years. It goes back to his amateur days of being at MTF and just constantly getting beat down. I saw somebody throw out there that he might be, uh, you know, popping some things that you're not supposed to be popping. Oh, that that stuff. And they were like, well, that that would explain some stuff here. That was just random people on Instagram commenting that. Yeah, I mean, my point is, is that it just you, you can you can kill these kids just too quickly like you're putting too much stress well, on a lot of these kids yeah and the reason i said that for like the tld thing and why i'm worried about pierce brown is because if all those guys are getting that same similar treatment like that and that's how the team structure is over there look at sean Cantrell, did with a ton Derek of talent Drake. look at Derek, Derek Drake. Drake. uh mitch falk um obviously there's something going on over there that needs to be fixed yeah i completely agree i do so. and i don't know if it's i don't know if it's if it's keith i don't know if it's the the people that work with tld is all the di- well, obviously the mechanics are hard on their riders and stuff, but I don't think it's coming from from Troy himself. But no, no Troy's way too laid back yeah. for that. But it, it's coming concerned. from somewhere, and, and you can't yeah. you can't there, deny there's that. some kind of structure, some kind of thing that they're following that has come down from above that I believe is just not working for those guys. I, can, I, I mean, but agree. do we go back? Do we go back all the way on this to to the parents of these kids? Because I mean, who's putting these kids in the facilities? The fucking parents, okay? Yeah. So, That's right. and then, uh, and then the parents, obviously. I mean, half of them, we all know, these kids live in the damn motorhome by themselves at these facilities. They have no social skills. They, they have, don't know how. They to don't have that. social skills. They don't have parents around to keep an eye on. So these parents don't really know that their kids are getting burned. They're just like, oh yeah, my kid's gonna be there, and he's gonna be the next yeah. Ricky Carmichael. Well, and then throw them into a team and throw them into a spotlight where they have to have social skills. Mm-hmm. That and that's what so, I always found funny about when I was working with different riders at GPF compared to, and you would do the MTF GPF thing, and I always said this MTF. This was back when the whole Red Bull thing started to get yep. built, like when Savachi, a little bit yep. after Davey moved away, but you know, it was Savachi and Barsha and you know, everybody and Martin the Red Bull and, jams and Scuba and all that. Um, yeah, who was the one kid that dropped off the map? Um, oh, Nico Leocada. No, not Leocada. He literally dropped off that. The he map, literally, but, but yeah, no, um, the Kershaw Lingle, yeah, Kyle Lingle. Uh, but when I would be always with guys at GPF, I would always say that GPF was more about the laid back. Like, yes. and, and this is nothing against Ray and, and Terry Woods and Josh because they definitely ran a tight ship, but it was more of the privateers because you had the Sewells, you had Chad Charbonneau, which Chad's dad owned the property, both of them, but the Charbonneaus, you had Kelly Smith, you had all these different guys. Well, your guy, Mitch Harrison. Yeah, yeah. And, and MTF was more well, this is just a business. Like, we don't really care yeah. what your feelings are. Yeah. And, and you would see the differences. The GPF guys would be more calm. And then you'd go to, like, Minios, for example, when I was helping out Eric Sink. And the GPF guys, other than Barsha, stomped the MTF guys. Like, everybody. Pretty much, if you looked at the results that year, they stomped everybody. Yeah. It's just crazy going down there, too, because I've been fortunate enough to go down and ride at GPF mm-hmm. just for, you know, your south trips and yeah. stuff like that. It's just, it's literally a fence line. But as soon as you step over that fence line, the vibe changes. There, there would be guys, though, but they were so back then. They were so uh, just, I want to call them tight asses, that if you were a GPF guy and you got caught awake when they were doing their camps before Minios and all these nationals, if a GPF person rode over to MTF and they got caught, that, like Colleen would throw a fit. She'd yeah. freak out. And I don't know, and I'm not around the amateur scene anymore, and so you know, Coach could talk a little bit more about this, but like... I don't know if it's with these facilities, if bringing in different guys, because a lot of these facilities, they have people that don't necessarily have a racing background and they they don't, they don't know what it's like to go through the struggle. And I've, and I've seen that a lot of these, these 
facilities now are bringing in guys that have racing backgrounds to coach these kids. Whereas back in the day, it was more, hey, we're just bringing in whoever we can throw money at. Because MTF, other than, than Brian, little Brian Johnson, there was all those guys there had nothing to do with racing. And I don't know if these facilities are bringing in guys that actually know what they're talking about now. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like the amateur scene is a lot different, has changed a lot in the last 10 years. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Well, yep. Rob's in it, so let's. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of. I think that's that. where he was kind he of roping around and settling yeah. back into. But well, you bring up a lot of really good points there, and you know, obviously, I haven't had a chance to meet each one of you guys individually, so not knowing all your backgrounds as well as as I should. You know, the thing that you just mentioned is what I'm so adamant about is the coach accountability, and whatever you want to put in the word coach, riding coach, facility coach. Uh, humor performance coach, whatever that umbrella generic term looks like these days. Um, I'm very, very adamant. We are in the process of getting ready to roll out a Moto E coaching certification program for this exact reason. Because if I can serve a rider with blood work done every three months, that's getting looked at and reviewed by a true physician that's looking at the health and wellness and performance of an athlete if I can get you to wear the heart rate monitor and I can show you that finite balance between volume and intensity, because the definition of overtraining is not how much you do, it's how much you absorb. And yeah, you can go to a facility and they can smoke your ass and have you put on 30 hours a week on the bike. That doesn't mean it's going to make you faster. You know, if you take it out of context of riding moto and you put it in a running realm, we have some elite runners that we work with that are running, we're not on world record pace like a 202, 203 world record pace, but we've got some guys running 215s, 218s. That's just over a four-minute mile for a marathon. Yeah, the hell okay? with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you right well, now, as a marathon runner, of, the hell with that. <laughs> but think about it. They don't go out every day and run intervals. They yeah. don't go out every day and run a marathon. They don't go out every day and go anaerobic threshold and then wonder why they're flat. This is the only sport that completely disrespects human physiology and disrespects human performance, what we refer to as periodization. These athletes are expected to be fast 52 weeks out of the year. It's asinine. Now, going back to what you just said about is there any intelligence coming in? No, there's not. We were told there was a, there was a, there was a large umbrella of conversation that was going on and I was very vocal of the fact that this group of riders was getting overworked. And to, I'm going to paraphrase it just for the sake of time. But the thing that I thought was so interesting is I get a conversation going. I show them the quantified information. I don't wear the fucking watch. You do. I can't fib the numbers. When the, I'm, I'm, a, I'm nothing against Polar. I use Garmin exclusively because of the, how useful the, the Garmin dashboard is. Everybody logs in. We're all looking at the same report. You bounce that against the blood work from the physicians. I didn't give the blood. It's your blood. I didn't give the interpretation of the data. The physician did. He, he or she doesn't have any vested interest in telling you that your blood works in disarray if it isn't. But you look at the data, like we said earlier tonight's show, your sleep cycles, you're not getting any. You should have three to five. You're getting none. You should have close to two hours of deep sleep. You're getting five minutes. Your awake time should be close to zero. You're up an hour and a half. All right, so that's not enough. Then we look at your performance data, your what we call critical speed and threshold of fatigue. Those numbers are going in the negative. 
We look at your strength to weight ratios. We look at your VO2 max numbers. They're going backwards. But yet you're telling, this is where I was going with the original statement. I was physically told on the phone to stop talking. I talk too much. (laughs) When the whole genesis, the whole genesis for the conversation was this athlete is not, this, this group of athletes are not performing up to speed, up to par. What's going on? And of course, just like you guys have heard all the time, whenever the rider is sucking on the track, it's always the mechanic's fault and the trainer. Oh, trust see, me, I got yelled the at motorcycle, a lot. <laughs> that's right. That, that rider can go out and put that bike on the ground 27 times, no problem. If that bike doesn't run to the finish line, mechanic, terminated. Oh, Don't yeah. know what you're doing. You're an idiot. Well, when the bike doesn't break and the athlete doesn't win, who's the next person to blame? The trainer. The trainer. Yep. So I have no problem. Like you said earlier, I've got thick skin. I have no problem having an adult conversation on things that we don't agree upon. As long as you're going to stay intelligent about it, let's talk. I'm always willing to listen. I'm always willing to learn. But when you've got quantified data that you've captured, blood work, heart rate data, food logs, performance data, testing results, and you lay the numbers out. And I, I do a lot of consulting with entrepreneurs. And I always say, at the end of the day, you have to be truthful with a P&L statement. Well, at the end of the day, you've got to look at the hard numbers and ask yourself, what have you put in, where are we at currently, and what's happened in the middle? Well, that's when people go, oh, you talk too much. Well, I'm just trying to answer your frustration. Lower VO2 max, slower sprint speeds, high levels of fatigue, irritability, suppressed appetite. The list goes on. That's what you called us to do. That's why we do a lot of analytical analysis for a lot of people behind the scenes, not because I'm trying to judge their trainer. I'm trying to show the athlete, particularly the parents, here's where Johnny is or isn't. Like you said earlier, if the parents don't do anything with it, my heart breaks for them because their kids are duped. There's nothing they're going to be able to do. They can't buy stiffer suspension and faster motor. The, The person that's riding it is already behind the eight ball. But then when I say that, oh, you're just on a you're on a soapbox because that's what you do for a living. Yeah, that's what I do. But I apologize. I don't know if it's Cole or Justin that was the mechanic. But that's like somebody saying, well, I can't believe you're telling me to put check my air pressure and set my sag. You're just a mechanic. <laughs> that's your soapbox. You're so dumb. I don't know why you would tell me this. I only hired you to be my trainer. But why would you tell me about my body? It's stupid. I don't get it. Yeah. When this is this is where it goes back to what we said a little bit earlier. All it takes is for them to get good enough. And then, now let's let's be a little bit sarcastic, but serious at the same time. If I've taken somebody from an 85 and I've worked them all the way into a factory rig, which I've, I've had 14 of them total that have made it to a 250 factory team. The six or seven years that we work to get there, they love the structure, they love the discipline, they love the results until they get a nice fat contract and now they're too cool for school. They literally are, they're completely untrainable. So then you try to continue to encourage them to foam roll. The stuff that it's what we call the non-sweating components of performance, sleep, food, diaphragmic breathing, working the mental development side, trigger point therapy, staying hydrated, well-fed. That's easy. But yet they just simply don't want to do it anymore. Ah, foam rolling, that's a waste of time. I I don't care about my food. I've got my contract. I'm good. 
and the so contract when I ends. push the issue, yeah, it yeah. So once I push the issue, now I'm jeopardizing little Johnny in the corner. So the dad, the agent, the team manager, fuck you, Rob. You're 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 hurting my little guys. You're hurting our little rock star's feelings. You're telling him <laughs> yeah. that he needs to do something he doesn't want to do. That comes back to Justin's soft comment. <laughs> oh boy. I'm uh, sorry, I couldn't hear him. What was that, Trap? That comes back to Justin's comment about being soft. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm not trying to be a horse's ass. I don't to me you're still the same kid you were on in eighty five. You're just parked out of a big rig getting a nice fat paycheck. That's cool. That's what you busted your ass to do. But what got you there? That's what I call the complacency syndrome. You know what to do and you simply don't want to do it. And then when I try to hold you accountable, now you're, you're in a position that you're like, nope, you're fired. Because as you guys said earlier, I've got a guy over here in the corner that's willing to be my man friend. Dude, have at it. <laughs> because if you think I'm going to sit at the track and hold your board and dote all over you, and go play putt putt golf and take you to In and Out Burger. You've got the wrong dude. Mm -hmm. I love it. Oh, it's awesome. That is awesome. There's um, just no way. Oh man, no way. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean that sounds about right. You know, uh, you only you only trained me and got me to this point. And I've heard this in some motivational speeches on YouTube that I listen to occasionally, where guys are like, yeah. "When you made it to the NFL, like you're just getting started." Okay, you signed that That's factory right. deal. You're just getting started. Just getting started deal. So, um, okay. So, so let me let oh, me let me be a little bit of a dick. Let me let me be a little bit of a dick for just a moment. You though. can be a Think lot of a dick on this show, oh, yeah. Rob. No one listens to it, so say whatever you want. Doesn't fucking matter. Okay? Yeah. Oh yeah. We're, we're all dicks to each it. other on here. So let her rip. That's <laughs> great. Well, think about it this way. Um, take take anybody I've worked with in the past. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Not anyone, but, you know, the, the Jared, excuse me, the, the Martin brothers, the Jordan Baileys, the ACs, the Ian Treadles, the Seth, the, all that goes with it, okay? So I've got somebody like a Logan Bess. His parents are phenomenal. He is probably one of the most polite young men that really wants to go far. Well, I don't know if he's going to sign with Mitch or if he's going to sign with Star or where he's going to go, but what's going to happen? No matter, and, and again, this isn't against the best family. This isn't against Adam C's parents. This isn't against Jordan Bailey's parents. You're going to go ahead and you're going to ink a deal with an OEM. Yep. Each OEM has their team trainer. I'm out. And, and I tell that to Logan all the time. There's going to be a point where I'm going to get pushed out. And they're like, no, no, no. We love what we're doing. We're defending you. I understand. But you have to understand at the end of that final putting the period in the signature, it's, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, like I tell these guys, it's, I know it right now, Logan best. I will not have when he goes to a two fifty program, but all I can do is say, look, I got you there to the best of my ability. You're ready. You're not overtrained. I'm always a phone call away. Now I'm not calling out, Logan Best or Jordan or Martin Brothers or anybody else. I do get phone calls after they sign with a program. And if they get found out, they will get reprimanded 
financially penalized and and possibly even terminated. God, that's a stupid. Now, how fucked up is that? That's so it's bullshit. Man. It's like the it's like one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. You know, I mean, and, but this is just the this is the industry we're in. I guess you'd call it. It's just the moto industry to me it's just makes zero sense. That's why it's why the moto industry but, is growing. But think about yeah. it this way. Think about it this way. You've got a rider that's being pigeonholed into a closed door meeting, being told what they're going to do. You have a rider saying, but I want to work with Rob Beams. I've worked with him my whole amateur career. And they will say, and I've been quoted this, don't ever mention his name again. He is not our guy. This guy is. And whatever this guy says, you're going to do. Does that have a lot to do with like some orange and white and, and now red bikes? Wow. Rob, is that? Wow, that was that, subtle. Does this have a lot to do with that kind of that stuff? That subtle, Travis. <laughs> that <was> subtle. <laughs> I told you, no and one we, listens to the show. We'll say whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, Rob, Rob might be too polite think, to say it. I'll fucking say it. I don't care. Okay. Whatever, Cooksy. <laughs> but the problem that I the problem that I run into is almost every single person that's run into that buzzsaw, the results are ninety nine point nine percent consistent. And it's not about oh, there's a championship here. There's a, no, 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 no. I get it. I'm not naive. I've been around the sport a long time. What we need to step back and look at is what is the attrition rate against the success rate? And this is why I'm so adamant about coach accountability. If I roach somebody's adrenals, I feel that it's my responsibility as a company to give every dime back. Now, here's the caveat. There's no way that I can prove that. If I ask you to do a 90-minute bike ride and you do a three-hour bike ride, I, I, I don't hold your hand. I don't live with you. Mm-hmm. That's where there's that's where there's got to be, and we've got a couple methodologies that we have in place. We're almost ready to go live with it. We have some checks and balances in place where the individual will not be able to dupe the evaluation criteria. And mm-hmm. and I'll be happy to share it with you three off the air. But okay. we have a system that's in place that absolutely cannot be cracked. Hmm. Why do I do that? Because did you guys listen to Mitch Payton on Whiskey Throttle? A little bit, yeah. I was gonna say I listened to most of it. He's been on there twice, though, hasn't he? I think so, yeah. I was gonna say I yeah, listened to it at total least of one. seven I hours. I was gonna say I don't know that I've listened to all of both of them, but I know I made it through the first one and part of the second one. But anyway, go ahead. Well, here's the key. Right now, I'm on a 22 year out of a 25 year business model. I'm three years from having it where I needed it to be, and this is so interesting that Mitch mentioned it, and it's right in line with what we're talking about this evening. Mitch was talking about when Ricky was on the pro circuit team and Mike Brown was on the team and Ricky was just making small talk with Mitch and Mitch said, how's it been with Brownie training with you? And and Ricky said, I haven't seen Brownie in like three months. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so it was interesting because like Mitch said, you know, kind of along the same example and thread of thought we're talking about here he is paying a salary they're in Florida, not in California. He can't babysit them. He can't hold their hands. He's paying them a salary, assuming they're doing their job. And then he calls Brownie up. Brownie's like, oh, yeah, I've been building a house, and I've been doing landscaping work. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So this methodology that we're creating and what we're putting in place is I'm going to be able to show to a team manager literally hour by hour whether or not the athlete is sleeping, eating, traveling, training, we have the methodology in place. That's awesome. And the idea here is, yes, I will put my money where my mouth is. If somebody signs up today and they're willing to go through 
the evaluation criteria and where the evaluation materials and do the necessary work, I will make a financial commitment to give you every dime back you've ever paid us. Mm-hmm. And I will promise you, you will never ever have your career shortened because of adrenal fatigue, Epstein-Barr, chronic illness, chronic injuries. Okay. But at the end of the day, the athletes are going to be, ha- or excuse me, the athletes are going to have to agree to be accountable. And if they're not, then we don't have any reasons to even have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Now take that to a team that has a so-called trainer that doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground <laughs> that has no credentials to be doing what they're doing. And it, it Robbie, you know, you know I'm sending I, you a text this week to ask who these trainers are off the air here. I, I have a I guess. Got, I got the, it. Like, the one guy I, wears, I have ideas. The one guy wears real weird skinny jeans. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but, but I'm going I'm to get this yeah. information out of you this week here, Rob. You don't know what I'm talking about? No, no worries. But, um, but the funny part about it is, is I, I say this all the time. I have a 250F. I've read the manual. There's not a factory team that should hire me because I read the manual. Exactly. But yet you get a guy that came out of a factory rig, and now he is a nutritionalist, a physiologist, yeah. a kinesiologist, oh. a biomechanicist. Or the guy that what, was what a, a mid-pack I mean, privateer. Are you talking about Seth Rarick right now? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Wow. 100%. 100%. Wow. Okay. That's who I was talking about. Oh. Yeah. Well, I kind of figured, but I didn't want to. Yeah. Really like, there's, okay. there's, there's several of those guys out there that it's like, these dudes didn't even do anything. Yeah, in their Rarick career. should just stick to the the, the actual no, like, training. No, you guys are wrong. No, you guys are wrong. They went to a weekend course and got eight a certified. Hey, you <laughs> forgot <laughs> about the weekend online courses. Rarick should just stick to the like the technique side of things because like all that or, other stuff. Or like, just talking to women. Yeah, just talking to women, moms. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I ran like three marathons. I think I should qualify hey, as a trainer. Hey, also. Cole, you're doing nationals this summer, so it looks like we're getting you on the Rob I'm not program. Man. You should be. Hey, if you did three marathons, you should be running the Oregon project with Sal Zara there. I'm I mean, sure. come on. You I'm, and Alberto are tight. Tra- <laughs> Travis, right? Right. It's, Cole, Cole's it's doing the same asinine mindset. Yeah. No, oh, no, I don't even know where to start. So, Cole, you're doing nationals a little bit of a, a background on me, Rob. I grew up doing a little bit of racing. A little bit. A of little racing. bit. I like how you just very modest. I, Jesus. I really didn't race that much. Got a so top ten at Loretta's. We tried. We tried doing the Loretta's thing out when I was on like 50s, 65s, and we'd go down to the regional, and I'd get dead last, get super nervous, and the parents were always like, there's more to life than a motocross bike. You're, you know, sure. it's the top 1% that no makes way. it, I and they always told me that. that. What's that? <laughs> I could never see your dad saying that. Yeah, but, um, so my, my last year, I was coming out of high school, and I gave it one last little shot and put some effort into it, and went down to Loretta's in the B class in 2013. Um, and I came out of there 16th overall. I went 12, 26, uh, 17, I think, something like that. you got top 10 in that mud moto? I was like one spot out. And I remember just being down there, and I went through the finish line. I was like, this dude... This dude right in front of me just pulled into the uh, the inspection lane. You know how they have it after the. Oh show. yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Holy shit, where'd that come from?" But anyway, <laughs> Travis here race. is trying to push me into getting my pro card or something and stuff. So that, whoa, whoa, that's whoa, where whoa. we're it's, at. On it's that. not just me. This is a team effort with yeah, one of our is, other buddies 
whose shop sponsors this show and stuff. So th- this is a okay. real team effort that we're we're gonna. Well, Cole's got a sweet new gas gas coming. So I just uh, I, it's here. I just got a uh, 450 gas gas. So so yeah. So basically, what yeah. we're trying to do is get Cole to do a little bit of training here because Cole Cole can ride. He's being very modest. Then we're gonna vlog it. But he actually is a very very smooth, very good rider. When he's not trying to be Kenny. Yeah, and so um, what's that supposed to mean? So anyway, Nothing. so we're trying to get him gotcha. to go and get his pro card and at least do like a couple of the nationals or whatever. But he's he's very much fighting us on this <laughs> we have a lot of local well, people too that do nationals that have no business doing nationals and yeah. uh yeah well and, and two though i i also work in the industry too rob so i'm kind of like in cooksey's position but i work for tucker power sports rather than wps so same thing okay. chris does but i i'm with tucker so I, on the other side of it i also think about you know i got to get up and go to work in the morning too so <laughs> It's totally fine. Sure. It's just a couple of pro nationals. Uh, it's totally dude, cool. Yeah, well, then you got to travel around, do all the pro ams. Hey, man, just think, just think the fact that if you were like, if you get like one spot out of qualifying, how much shit you can talk to Matt. Yeah. Well, or or I could do. I'll just name drop Austin Wagner. He's tight with the Richies over at Redbud, and he yeah, didn't do any pro every day for a month. He didn't do any pro ams and just <laughs> ended up with his pro license. So yeah. oh, that's not where you were going. Never mind. <laughs> you know. Um. Okay. So let's let's talk about some. Some stuff that's going on right oh, now. Oh, some current stuff? Some current stuff. Sure. So, so, Rob, we'll let you choose. You want to talk Hunter Lawrence, Chase Sexton, Whoa. Eli Tomac, or Austin Forkner? We got to talk about No, no, no. I want to talk Kenny, well, Kenny's Hammaker. fitness level and are well, things going to flare up. You don't want to talk about Hammaker? Yeah. Yeah, we we got all kinds of subjects. Because I want to talk about stuff. one of them has so much meat on the bone. Yeah. Uh, well, so... I. Here's where I want to. Here's where I want to start. I know I was saying I was giving you the option. Now I'm. Now I'm going back on that. Okay. Dick. Wow. I want to. Wow. That's okay. Shut, shut your mouth over there, you oh. two. <laughs> Rob's cool with it. You guys shut up. All right. I don't care what you think. Um, let's start with the most interesting thing that we all heard at. I believe it was the last race there, Orlando two. Sexton drops nine pounds mid-season. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very that. curious. Coach, on your thoughts on this, because it shocked all of us to go, wait a minute, you're like you're pinnacle fit. athlete fit and mid-season you're dropping nine pounds? And I thought he had misspoken. So that was that was interesting. So what are your thoughts on I, on that comment I made, by I made Chase? the Adderall diet joke because <laughs> oh, he's trading with Stu. But, <laughs> wow. wow. Um, but yeah. Um, I apologize. I haven't seen that. Where was that quoted or stated? Race Day Live. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, but during the qualifying show, I think is when he said it. Did he did he say it during the night show when they talked to him? No, I don't no, think it was brought uh, up. They had okay. him on race day live, and they're like, "Well, how are you feeling with your time off from the collarbone?" And he's like, "Well, I'm eager to get back. I, I actually dropped nine pounds and yeah, just stuff like that." And then and he was I, talking about like, "Oh, you know, because of the injury, eating and stuff." And then he's like, "Yeah, I'm like Chase was already at like." Yeah, I'm just saying you're coming into your 450 debut on a factory Honda, and you're. And then you get hurt and decide to drop more weight. We yeah. were just kind of all like, kind of shocked about that. So. Was he was he referring to it like he lost weight because he hasn't been able to train and was injured, or like super buff, lost nine pounds, ready yeah, to go I, race? I, he he kind of like meant to. He, he kind of yeah. talked like, "Oh, I'm leaner and even fitter than I was before," kind of thing. Yeah, it didn't definitely didn't sound like, uh, "Oh man, like this caused me to you know drop some weight because." But I he never said anything about anything. packing on muscle. Yeah, anything no. of training to put you know keep muscle on or whatever so it's just a very interesting comment yeah 
Yeah, well, it's interesting on a couple different levels. And, and I, before I say this for any of the listeners that have struggled with eating disorders, we do it in our general fitness weight loss division. We do a lot with eating disorders and I don't take them lightly. And I know that they're very difficult on people, but our sport really cultivates a manorexic type of a mindset, especially in the 250 class. You know, oh, don't gain any weight. You won't get the whole shot. Don't gain any weight. Don't get the whole shot. So you, you see a lot of these guys running calorically restricted because of this manorexia mindset. Um, I don't see that being with Chase. I mean, he's very, very tall, very lanky. So I can't imagine that they would say on that factory 450, hey, you need to lose some weight. So now this is where we get back into. <laughs> is it somebody getting in his ear and somebody's like, you need to lean out? And when you are looking at getting leaned out like that, um, and I was trying to remember, he got – did he go down? Was it round two? When did he go down in the sand? And, yeah, and do it, was it? Houston, it was Houston too. Oh, yeah. When he when he ate it and then broke his collarbone, was that yeah. what he did? Uh, he yeah, didn't break the collarbone, just a deep oh shoulder. That's right, it was something. a deep, shoulder. Deep the whole bruise in the shoulder. shoulder so. Yep, deep bruise in the shoulder. Um, so then, when you start looking at that nine pounds, you know, if it was somebody that told me they were in preseason and they were like trying to drop body fat, nine pounds. Help me out on the date. Houston to approximate date of that with us sitting here almost on Nin- March 1st. Jan- January 19th, I think. It was a Tuesday. Yeah. So, so January, yeah, they started, been, what, like, January 16th was the opener. Yeah. So, yeah so the 19th. It must have been like the 19th or 20th, we'll call it. So Of January, right? Yep. yep. So January to February, that's four weeks. And then to, to the end of uh, February. So let's say that is a legitimate six weeks. Sure. Yeah. We'll go with yep. that. Yep. Yeah, six weeks, nine pounds, that's real good synthetic HGH. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect. So Yeah, straight up. See, yeah, it, synthetic HGH will cause you to drop body fat like nobody's other. Interesting. And synthetic HGH is very, very easy to get. It's probably one of the things that gets abused the most in like the, the places that promote high-intensity interval training. I don't even like to say CrossFit because that's a little bit too generic. But any place that walks around saying, hey, look, if you do high-intensity interval training, you're going to look ripped like him and her. Oh, don't get me started. Don't I've, get me started on CrossFit because we, we, we yeah. go back and forth on that coming from a lifting background here about how that whole, whole thing works. I'm, I'm very not on board with that. Well, what was so crazy is in our offices, we pick up a lot of the crumbs it doesn't matter if it's superset, super slow, insanity, P90X, all this bullshit fad stuff. <laughs> I cannot tell you, if I took a sample of 100 people that came in, I would say 90% of them that came from the CrossFit high intensity, every single one of them were on synthetic HGH. I'm talking soccer moms, CEOs, oh, it, across the board. That's awesome. That's what, <laughs> it's so there you go. There so you wild. Go. <laughs> Holy shit. Yep. Yep. I wonder and people uh, don't understand when you're when you're looking uh you know at the long term ramifications of taking synthetic HGH, it screws up the blood balance like out the walls. Now 
there's going to be somebody that'll be listening and go, yeah, but you know, so-and-so came clean that he or she was jacked up on HGH and, and they were healthy. Well, good for them. They did it under the supervision of a physician that knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Can it be done? Yeah. So it's been done for years. Stop being so naive yeah. and I, make it right. I but mean, is it being done? Hell yeah. I wonder if that was a, a tip from the I was Stuart compound. I was just about to go going there. To, yeah. Like, you know, it's I, I'm uh, in it's this ironic. big conspiracy that it was never actually Adderall. That could be a thing, too. Oh, it was blood doping. so well that's good because we like obviously like i said rob we all sat around this table and went that's super weird that middle of the season here you just randomly drop nine pounds and you throw that out there especially on tv two minutes later he talks about how hard it is to hang on to the 450 yeah yeah and then so and obviously none of us have had any major uh interaction with that kind of stuff so the fact that you know that that's i'm glad i asked that question because that's that's good uh, yeah yeah. Good, good, good insight there of like, yeah, that that's an easy synthetic HGH. Okay, so that's cool. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Adderall. People have to understand that Adderall is nothing more than for attention. It's very, very popular in the PGA, and it started to get real popular in NASCAR. And they NASCAR probably did the best job of sitting down on it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But Adderall isn't going to give you the, the true fat loss that you're going to get with HGH. Now, Let's not, let's not convolute. HGH has two benefits. One, it'll make you excessively lean. And two, it'll help you recover very quickly. Like <laughs> if you've ever had a knee surgery, there'll be synthetic HGH in your IV drip to help facilitate recovery. I've had it. And that so, puts the pieces together for me. He's hurt and needs to get back on the bike. He needs yeah. to recover. Yep. So if you, there add, you go. so you start adding these pieces together. So that's, that's interesting. So. Okay, I know, Cole, you were bringing this up next. Let's move on to the next person here. So let's talk Kenny. So um, obviously, Coach, we've all seen this in the last couple of years with Kenny having his uh, his issues middle of the season type deal. We start to lag. We start to, I mean, obviously Salt Lake City last year, those rounds for him were a disaster other than the one he won. And now this year we're hearing, I went into the offseason. I got out of shape to get back in shape. Now we're midway through the season. He's won three races. Three races already? Has he won four? No, Just I think three? He's, uh, I think he he's swept four. Indy, should have four because yeah, of being. So, so, um, so he's won three races. He's six points up here. What are your thoughts? I mean, are we going to see Kenny's midseason lull here? Do you think he's going think to he's keep it together? Four. I mean, I so. what, are you, what, are, what are your thoughts here on the whole Kenny re- basically rebuilding himself by not riding outdoors last year? Yeah, I, I think it's a hundred percent credible. It goes back to what we just said a little bit ago. Periodization has not been respected in the sport. Mm-hmm. Eli Tomac has complained about it for years, and of course, he's under the tutelage of his dad, world class mountain bike racer. Small little world. I used to race against Eli's dad, John, in BMX. Mm-hmm. I've got pictures of him riding for Factory Mongoose, and my my dad um, used to race BMX on a bike. <laughs> yeah, my dad okay, rode cool. DGs. Okay, no, I love it. Um, so, yeah, when you look at that whole picture of periodization, I do believe. I think he came in with his batteries recharged. We know he's got a hell of a lot of skill. We know the bike is good. Um, whether or not he can keep Cooper at bay all depends on how bad the beatdown is from Cooper. Because if Cooper goes into demoralization mode, I don't see Kenny being able to sustain. Yeah, if yeah. he just barely beats Fair. Kenny and Kenny knows he's in the dogfight, Kenny's always good. But if Cooper does his traditional... 
I'm not going to beat you. I'm going to rip your head off and spit down your neck kind of beat. <laughs> yeah. that, it, it, that's going to be the demise of Kenny. Yeah. I don't think Kenny can handle the mental game that Coop can throw out. Um, he's really good with the head games. You mean if Coop keeps writing red plate on the pit board and putting it in front of Kenny before practice, you don't think Kenny is going to be able to do that all year? Uh, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, as far as... As far as the racing goes, yes, they're on an even playing field. But when it comes to pulling those tools out of the back pocket, I think Coop has the advantage. Yeah, that is one thing I really like about yeah. Coop. Between that and his racecraft, he is very, very good. Yeah, and I think it goes back, like we were saying with AC, when you learn to handle defeat, look at what Villapoto did to Alessi. Look at what, you know, essentially Coop has done in a shorter period of time than AC. And I hope that's an encouragement for the young riders. That's what I, I use that example all the time. Who gives a rat's ass if you win Loretta's in the Super Mini or right. Schoolboy class? Yep. You need to be coming into your own when you've got contracts on the line that are worth real money, not yep. fifty right. grand and six bikes. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. It's pretty. It's pretty much like uh, the old Chad Reed saying, "I've never gotten paid to be first at the practice track." Right. So, you know, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, Loretta's. You know, you you can get the get get the contract from that, but you're not really getting paid yeah. most of the time through through your Loretta's you just need need it as a I don't know catapult to get you there I guess so yeah, yeah. so a little off well, the rails they, they, they... oh go ahead go bro. ahead brother yeah so I was gonna go a little off the rails and how we kind of mentioned Coop there with with his head games and the the mental games that he plays does that stem back to the amateur days when you guys are racing against him? Was he starting to play those games and do that kind of stuff with you guys, or did that come after he got to the pro ranks, you think? Yeah, I think it was, and I hate to say it because we were on the opposite side of the fence, mm-hmm. I think Cooper had to learn to deal with defeat. He had to learn to deal with injuries and overcome those. I've said this in a, in a couple public forums, but, you know, I got interviewed by a European magazine and they had asked me, what's my biggest concern about AC going from an 85 to Mitch's team. And I just said, I don't know how he'll deal with his first significant injury because the whole time I had him, the only bone he ever broke was his sit bone. He had looped out at Waldo and you know, that was a three, four weeks, just, you know, you can't cast your ass kind of a thing. So <laughs> when you look at Coop, Coop had injuries as an amateur. He had injuries. I mean, look at him when he's riding for Star Yamaha, riding with a broken wrist and a cast. Mm-hmm. That that's because he's been there and done that before, and that's just Coop. And I think Coop, being on a bike that wasn't as fast as AC, he had to be very crafty. We saw J-Mart doing it this last year when he was on Honda, trying to figure out a way to get around Sanders. You know, those what's the old saying? The mother of invention is necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeremy had to find something in the slow Honda. He had to find the power. He had to find the speed. Well, by the time he figured out, Ferrandez was eight seconds up, and he just couldn't bridge it. Um, and I think, to answer your question, I think Coop really learned to, to deal with adversity in the amateur ranks and then getting passed up and getting passed up and getting passed up and then finally getting an opportunity. And, again, Coop is a very loyal guy. He will never, ever forget and be grateful to Bobby for giving him that chance at Star when nobody else would. And now you take that, he's a little pissed off, a little jaded, been through a lot of adversity, has a very humble background, has great parents. Yeah, he's out to make a statement, and he doesn't mind fucking with your head with a pit board and some red ink. No. You know, and he does, And what I love about him like is he doesn't shy away from it. No, he no. declares it. He owns it. Mm-hmm. Now, let, now love let, me, it. let me ask you this. Just from physically looking at Coop on the interviews and stuff like that, do you think he's getting burned out on that Alden program? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair do you enough. Think, do you think he leaves it soon? I, I said that in the beginning. Like Kenny did. I mean, I obviously know that that was a different situation, but do you think he leaves it? No. Um, I'm, I'm pretty certain um, that he's got a contractual agreement that until Coop retires, um, they're they're going to be a couple together. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Super interesting. Wonder if he or, just or what if something were out then? Now that's with KTM probably too. If he if he wanted to get out of that agreement, he would have to be off an orange bike. That's what it sounds like to me. I'm sorry, I could barely hear you. If that was a question, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's a talk in the mic. I, I'm talking talk the mic. Hey, you talk, talk. Say my question uh, or say what so, I said for so me. So basically, you're saying that he's he's basically tied to KTM and Alden until unless he gets out of a KTM contract here at some point is basically. Basically, what you're you're saying there, huh, yeah, Rob? Yeah, to not work yes. with Alden, he'd have to be on a different color bike. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but in all fairness, I don't think that Cooper has a problem with the work. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if the fatigue level starts to really settle in because Alden's been very vo- vocal and verbal about. I don't care at what expense they win the championship. We're just about winning the championship. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty obvious. He burnt Dunge out. He burnt Villapoto out. He burnt RC out. He burnt James out. He burnt Kenny out. He burnt AC out. So, okay, if you can Zacco. sleep with that at night, go for it. Zacco, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. So if you if you can sleep at night, like we said earlier, to me, where's the moral fiber of you just fuck this guy's adrenals over, but you don't care because he won a championship. Well, that's like... I don't care that you're a drug addict. I sold you some drugs. Just use them. You know, I'm a coke yeah. dealer. I, I'm just here to help your night be cool. Yep. Where's the moral fiber with they're a human being. We're not dealing with droids. Yeah. Where is that fabric? But again, let's kind of zoom out. It isn't Alden's fault. He's got an environment where whether it's an orange bike, a blue bike, a red bike, a Hodaka, I don't care. If he's got an OEM that's willing to say, look, we don't care about the individuals. We only care about the championship. We're going to win at all costs. Now, I've never spoken in a closed-door meeting. The people that I know at KTM, I've never really got a chance to know Roger. But to me, those people really seem to care about the longevity of their athletes. I mean, look at how long they've kept um, Osborne's been on the program and Jason Anderson and those guys, you know. The idea is they want to build championships. Now, the way that they piece those together is what's always interesting. But, you know, where where is the, the fabric of the health and the integrity of the individuals is what I have to – because I'm not here to be judge and jury of anybody else. I'm just telling you that's what I look at, and that's why I'm so big into coach accountability. I would be happy to sit in front of your parents and say, you know what, we're going to build a healthy – Travis Cole and Justin and by the way because of that foundation of health we can take their ability to ride a motorcycle and take them to an elite level but here's the key we can get them there and it'll be sustainable versus be there be a short duration of time and then be chewed up and gone that to me is irresponsible no well I just I just want to last thing I want to say about that is is it's very interesting that his contract with KTM that he has to stay with Alden, which I guess would be kind of a given, you know, with with the deal that Alden inked with Husky and KTM. But that does make me wonder. Marvin and Zach, we do know, don't have too many years left in this sport. 
I mean, I don't. I know Zacho right. says he wants to keep racing and doing this and that, and and even maybe he'll stay with Alden when because he says he wants to do GNCCs after he's done racing Moto and Supercross. But it does make me wonder if, if Coop, because we all kind of agree that unless something crazy happens, Coop probably has a long career, right? Yeah, and, and I said right yeah. in the beginning when he went to the Baker program, I just kind of his personality. I didn't think that he would be able to do it for a long period of time. Well, and if and if he is, that makes me wonder what's going to happen when when Marvin Zach retire. Yep. If Coop's the only factory 450 guy left there. Yeah, but I don't think it'll be that way. They'll bring someone else in. Well, yeah, of course. And they have the 250 guys, and I know it's a different program and stuff. But my point is is that since he's been there and it's a short time, he's always had somebody to push him, whether it be right. you know, Marv without – well, obviously, Zacho just won his outdoor championship. But Marv was always kind of there pushing him as far as the outdoors. And Zacho now – and Jason at one point. Yeah, so like it makes me wonder what if he's still there when all these guys retire, like – who who is going to be his motivation? And, and Coach talked about it earlier. You know, having different guys there and stuff. But who who's going to be his motivation? Who's he going to be testing with? Who's he going to be practicing with? I don't know. They'll find some. They'll put somebody on those. But those I feel like well, who's going to be on that level? But I feel like Coop has you know him and, and Marvin and even Jason to an extent. But and Zacho, they have a they have a good rapport. I would say that they're all friends. But they all push each other on the track. And that's the thing is, is if you don't have a guy there that can get to that level even on a lap to lap basis. I wonder if his motivation to go in and put the work in every day is going to slowly start winding down. Well, I mean, you got RJ is there right now in the 250, and he, I'm yeah, sure but I don't see I'm RJ. Sure I don't. I don't. I don't see, see him push. on that elite level. Yeah, I, d- I don't see that push from RJ though. I and that's and that's not a disrespect to RJ because you guys know the stuff that I've said about RJ over the years. But I don't really know if necessarily Coop. And maybe I'm putting. I'll be putting words in his mouth. Is going to respect somebody like RJ as far as oh hey. You didn't even like win a this title. Guy could beat me on class. Saturday, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I, I, maybe maybe I'm thinking too far ahead, but I just knowing how Coop is that that comes as a interesting topic that's going to happen in a few years, or maybe even next year. Yeah, I guess it could. Well, I think definitely next year for Marv. I don't think I don't think Marv is going much longer than through his contract, which might be next year, this year. And I don't, I don't see Zacho going too much longer either. Uh, I mean, he's thirty one now. Contract though. Seen see that, two more years? Know. That I, don't I feel know. like his contract. I think he's like got two, two years on it. Yeah, two. yeah. I think he's got two years on his deal. I know Anderson's up this year, um, and and you know going back to what you said, I think if it was anybody but Cooper, I think you would have a motivation issue. I think with Cooper because of his, as we were saying earlier, with his humble beginnings and a lot of aggravation, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to need to have a lot to push him. Yep. I think it's going to be the content, the continuity of the program. Because, you know, you could take a, a second-tier guy, let him go eight seconds ahead, and, and Coop's got somebody to run down. Mm-hmm. Um, I That would be my only caveat with that is I don't think Coop's fire will start to wane only because of his upbringing, where a lot of these kids that are on a 250 program out there, and in fact, across all colors, the majority of them have come from facilities and they don't know how to go out and do anything by themselves. I don't think they know how to change their air filters. No, no I can attest so, to that. <laughs> yeah, so that's where you're going to run in. I think that you're looking at the AC and the Cooper Webb. That's the end of the generation where they had to fight for everything that they had versus, like you were saying, kids are living in double-decker motorhome trailers mm-hmm. in million-dollar provosts at a facility, and they're fucking riding 65. Hey, you got to be kidding me. So the, the ability to keep these kids motivated, I think you, you're, as you guys said, the way the generation gap is there, 
Anderson goes out this year, you you let's say Muscan doesn't come back. Osborne's got maybe a year left. Coop's got two years. I could see Coop being able to keep that fire going. The one thing that I hope that Coop's able to do is not become fragile the way Kenny and AC was and start having these little nagging injuries. That would be the beginning of the demise for Coop, I believe. Not because he's not tough enough to push through him, but it's just as we've all witnessed. You get one, especially in that 450 class, you get these reoccurring nagging injuries. It becomes more psychosomatic than it does become physical. Yeah. In my opinion. And I also don't see Coop as a guy that if he does end up winning this title this year, which I think he's going to get a second title and, you know, who, who knows, maybe he has a better outdoor season and stuff and fights for a title this summer and stuff. But I don't see Coop being a guy that, oh, I have a couple Supercross 450 titles and, oh, I'm going to quit now. Yep. You know, I see him going and trying to win as many. As, everybody will say, oh, that's the ultimate goal. But we also know with, with James Stewart and Carmichael and, and RV and all these different guys and, and, you know, maybe even Dunge to an extent, they did get burned out a little bit and they had accomplished everything they wanted to. And they just were like, well, I'm done now. I don't see Coop being the guy that's, oh, hey, I won a couple 450 Supercross titles and now, I'm, now it's time to retire. I think there's one caveat there. I think there is one caveat, and that is what's the value of the salary, win bonuses, because I don't I, – and, and again, we've all been around the sport. We're fans of the sport. You get too much money too soon, and then you get a little bit of adversity, and they're like, I'm out. Don't need it anymore. 100%. Yep. So You know, <laughs> and that's going to be the slippery slope. Nico. That's going to be the slippery. Yeah. I think that Coop – I agree with you 100%. Coop doesn't just take for granted having the wins. And I don't know what his magical number is. Let's say it's $30 million in the bank. And then he does hit a few bumps in the road. And he's like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And you mentioned some pretty big names, the Jameses of the world. You know, think about, remember when James Stewart wouldn't go race outdoor nationals, but he went down to Miami and did that Red Bull where you fly the motorcycle off the three-store building? Yeah. Yes. Yep. And all the shit. Did <laughs> that Bubba's world. Yeah. The, that's somebody who's making too much money and, again, can call the shots. Can you imagine being J-Bone, you know, and, and you can't do a damn thing because he's James Stewart and he's going to do whatever the hell he wants and not one of his sponsors are going to push back. J-Bone to this day still has my utmost respect. I would have lost my fucking mind. Out of flip <laughs> I would have gone absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you spoke about the nagging injuries there. Do you uh you got any in inside information on uh, AC's uh, oh leg injury here that he's had? I know you don't talk to him you know, as much, but you talk to his parents, so I wasn't sure if uh yeah if you had any inside info there. I mean, I I Travis feel is like, an AC fanboy. I feel like his broken collarbone is the best thing to happen to him because we all know he got the uh, what was it the elbow surgery or whatever for yep. the nerves over the off season, yeah. and then he's had this nagging leg injury is what they keep calling it and he keeps saying he can't squeeze the bike but they don't say exactly what it is so i was just curious if you yeah, had any yeah. idea that's my pet peeve of the sport also in 100 percent <laughs> transparency yes, yes. Uh, all the conversations that i have with his mom are very how you doing you know how you holding up with his dad i have my own biased opinion about how that fallout went between him and his dad um and nick way getting put into that position I never ever bench race with Alan C. When okay. I communicate with Alan C., I'm checking in with him. He has a big fishing boat. He loves to fish. Uh, he 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 buys and fixes up houses. I do text him. Hey, congratulations! You know, don't forget you're the genesis for this guy. You know, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of sweat equity that he put in that son in his son. Um, and and like I said, I have had zero conversation about Adam and his racing probably in three years, other than. Mm -hmm. 
great job. Congratulations to his dad. But I have heard nothing about the leg injury um, until Trav, I'm almost sure. I'm almost certain it was you that told me about his his thigh injury, not being able to pinch the bike. Oh, oh man, Travis, you're breaking news! Breaking wow. news over here, Travis. Wow. Look at you! Holy yeah, that shit. was the first time I had heard about it. Yeah. Now I did hear that you know the elbow surgery did have a little bit more complications, and I know AC was pretty hum. You know, he did pretty quiet about that. Mum was the word associated with that injury. Yeah. Which again, another stupid part of our sport. Again, you wonder why these athletes can't be tangible because we all run around with playing the game of charades, which is absurd. Mm -hmm. But I honestly know nothing about where AC is at with those injuries. Well, I just, that... they, I was gutted. I, I was texting Cooksey and Hopper. I'm like, hell yes, Ace. Because every week we do our predictions, and I always put AC at the top. Yeah. And they always mm -hmm. roll their eyes and send me the emoji back. Like, get off it. And he gets the whole shot, and I'm like, AC, 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 AC. <laughs> and then they text it back. Start. Dirt nap, dirt nap, dirt nap, dirt nap. <laughs> Sounds like, like our it. texts. A AC, yeah. AC just doing some AC things there. Yeah, the uh, AC's gonna AC. The elbow surgery thing was interesting because um, I don't know if you, I don't know, I don't know if you listen to Pulp Max, but they had um, no, I don't. They had his new, they had his new. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all, actually. But they had his new man friend, uh, Chris Chris Breeze on there, who's a baseball AC's guy. A Chris Betts or Betts, okay. yeah, that's it. Chris Betts, Breeze. baseball and, guy. And Betts was. Uh, Betts was even saying, he's like, dude, when I talked to AC about that elbow surgery he was having, and he told me like, oh yeah, I'm riding like three days from now. And Betts was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like guys get this done and they're out for like six months and you're going to be back in three yeah. days. Like, what are you talking about? So that was kind of an interesting thing when, when that was brought up of like, wait, so was this rushed? And he was trying to make it seem like it wasn't rushed or was this not really rushed? And well, obviously, I don't have any idea. I have no just, medical background. Just things so. I've heard, um, just like, well, Aaron Plessinger's contract with Yamaha or whatever, if he didn't complete a certain amount of races, oh, yeah. he didn't get paid. So I'm wondering if there's maybe something involved like that where he's like, I got to get on this bike. I got to complete X amount of races or yeah. I don't get paid. I'm also going to assume there's a lot of pressure on AC right now. And pressure, yeah. Because uh, old Eli is on the way out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, doesn't AC only have a one-year deal with Cowie? Yeah. Did he get a one or a two-year, or did he this get? A I think they, I think they re-upped him after. Yeah, I think yeah, he, I think how he's long got two. Two. I think it was a two-year deal. Last year was a one-year deal, and it was only a one-year because it was basically an option that he was flexing off his uh, pro circuit contract. But then they re-signed gotcha. him for what I believe was two years. Well, this is okay. This is kind of a good segue then, Travis, to uh, since we're talking about Cowie people right now, if you still want to keep going with AC, or we could either talk about Eli, because it's a good conversation with all the pressure on AC, or your favorite person in the world, Austin Forkner. Well, I have, I have a question for Coach Rob about uh, what he thinks is going on with Eli Tomac this year, because obviously he's I, not the Eli Tomac I that think we it's burnout. I think he's seen. done. So yeah, that's what I'm curious. Like, Coach, do you see something that would to me, point to that? or? I, I, yeah, it's called a fat ass bank account, and yeah. championships, and a new baby, and a baby, and a baby. Yeah. Oh yes, I love it. So you know, I mean, well, how much simple. is enough? I mean, you, I don't know how much Eli's got in the bank, but I would imagine it's got to be ten, twelve, fifteen million dollars. If I just do some quick math, sure. You yeah, know, you got this you beautiful compound out in Cortez. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, shit. I what what is what else does he have to prove to anybody? The baby came at the right time that he won the championship. Some would say that's a motivation. I would agree with that personally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what else does he have to do? 
you got those young kids nipping at his heels that are willing to push that extra button. He's like, you're, that's fine, dude. You know, and then he tries to be aggressive and bulldog the bike. And he, whether you want to blame it on the track or the bikes or a combination of the two, there, you know, if you don't get that whole shot, you're pretty much, you're going to finish where you started, maybe a place or two. But he, yeah. those days of him being able to go 13th to first are just gone. Mm-hmm. One, because he's created a lot of enemies. So people, <laughs> and holy shit. If Barsha's not in his head, I don't know who is, right? Oh, Barsha I mean, he gets called back, gets up on Barsha. He couldn't oh, pass him. It's like, he's like, oh, it, my best friend, I want to kiss him. I don't want to bump him. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. park him, move him. All yeah. well, that money still couldn't give Joey anything. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, sorry. Don't, don't get started I always got to do it. I always got to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's a can of worms we can't jump into, so... <laughs> all, right. all right, where did you guys... You guys want to go to 250 guys now? Sure. Well, ask, what, uh, what, what, ask Coach you, about. What do you got, Cole? Well, yeah, I mean, we can go into two fifties. What did you you had another question you were asking? You? Oh, Off well, Eli or? yeah. Well, no, it wasn't really about. Eli. Are you talking about what I was saying earlier? Talking the microphone. Are you talking about earlier in the interview? I don't know. Whatever. No, okay, never mind. Go Cole, ahead. Cole, All Cole right, lost. I'm lost. Let's I'm move on. just let's talk, let's talk about let's talk about Coach's most recent protege there, uh, Hammaker. Yeah. Oh, I like and this. his debut ride that was awesome. Big believer in Seth Hammaker. Well, it, it's very awesome and. But going back to what Rob had said about the Epstein Bar and stuff previously, where is that going to go after this? Are we going to see Podiums. it go downhill, come Podiums. out swinging, or what's going to go on here? <laughs> Podiums. Oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, Justin's a big believer. and I mean, we no doubt he has a lot of talent, but there is that X factor that Podiums. you had discussed oh. before. Yeah, I am. Seth is, is a fantastic. You talk about a man of integrity, great family. Uh, work ethic is there for sure. You know, the fact that he went public about having the Epstein bar, um, there's a lot that goes into that and why that was even made public the way that it happened. You know, there's just a lot of behind the scenes pieces that people are just conveniently acting as if it never happened. The fact that Mitch went ahead and brought Joe Shimoda on, cause it, it goes back to that whiskey throttle show when he publicly said, Hey, look, I don't think that Seth's going to go the distance during the summer, uh, or I don't know if he said the summer, but be able to go the distance. That's why Mitch put a first fifth member on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have not been with Seth for quite a while now. Uh, he decided to go with Ivan Tedesco. My point and reason for saying that is I haven't seen any updated blood results. I don't know what the percentage of improvement is. Um, the results on Saturday look fantastic. I really hope that he can keep that up. But I will say this, and this isn't a dig on Seth. This isn't a dig on any color bike or anybody that he trains with. When you understand what true Epstein bar and chronic fatigue is, okay, you can manage a 15-minute supercross race with the ambient air temperature in the low 70s, high 60s, 15 minutes of racing. But when we take this outdoors, two 30 minutes plus two with a one-hour break, that's where the rubber will hit the road. Okay. We won't know. That, uh, there's no way for you and I to guess the status of his blood work, which is really the foundation of health. If he's if he's firing on a late cylinder, he'll have a great outdoor season. But we know with the wear and tear of travel and racing and training, that wear down pattern, is he high? If you can imagine it, kind of like building a building, does he have 15 or 20 stories that he can, he can burn four or five of those and start outdoors with 10 left? Yeah. Or does he barely get through Supercross and start at ground zero and only go down from there? Supercross isn't going to tell us that. 
it's going to be the third round of outdoors that will tell us that. Okay, that sounds about right. So, And, it, and I'd love to see him win. I mean, I, I love the guy to death, but um, to answer your question specifically, uh, we're going to need a couple rounds of outdoors after you've got the wear and tear of Supercross. And I've always said it publicly, racing gets real when we go outdoors. That's why certain people only do Supercross-only contracts. I think if he's firing on all eight cylinders, I think that he's going to uh, shock a lot of people. I've been been a big believer yes. in Seth, and uh, I think that I love his story. And uh, yeah, I think if he if he is over the hump of all the everything he dealt with with Epstein Barr virus and stuff, I think that he. I mean, I don't see why, depending on what goes on with Forkner going into outdoors, why he can't be the number one guy on Cowie. And that's no dig against Joe and McAdoo and you know Smitty and all those guys, but I fully believe that he's. I just don't think a lot of people are expecting anything out of him because his debut got kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And I think a lot of people honestly forgot about him. Now, obviously not people that are, you know, up front in the industry, but I just, sure. I, I don't know. I'm a big believer in the kid. And I think that he's going to show a lot of people, you know, Hey, there's a reason why I have this ride and why Mitch kept it for me. Yeah. But his, his debut in the, in, in the 250 class is one of the only ones in, we'll call it, I guess recent years outside of Jet that really was impressive. I mean, outside of that, most of these rookies we've seen over the last what three, four years here. I mean, well, you'll see at Daytona this weekend shit. with Thrasher and Fry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, but think about think about what you're saying though, because it's it's very it, you're more on the point than you realize. What was it that Seth was forced to do before he came out and made his debut? He was forced to take a break. Yeah. Can yeah. he? took a break, came out, all eight cylinders, stamped it. Seth, forced to take a break, comes in. What did you just say about these rookies that debuted? Got their asses smoked in the amateurs. Mm -hmm. Two weekends later, they're at an outdoor national and then try try to do that all summer long. Yeah. They never, I mean, think about it. They they raced for almost 18 months straight before they got a break. Mm Because amateur, you start at Minio's, that's in November, Daytona, Freestone, Spring Ding, Mammoth, Area, Regional, Loretta's, and then two weekends later, Did you're supposed to get an outdoor national and carry that through September? Yeah. There's not a snowball's chance in hell anybody can do that. <laughs> so these amateurs, and I don't mean to be mean, but the, the way that Styles Robertson's Jordan Bailey, the way that those guys debuted is absolutely zero representation of their capabilities. Mm -hmm. It's a result of an amateur system that doesn't give two shits about the riders that gets shoved into a pro team. And the pro teams are like, we have so much money invested in you. You're racing. Damn it. Jaleek Swole. Well, (laughs) actually impressed me. Jaleek did impress me. Yeah. That was very impressive. That fourth was, I didn't see that coming. Who did? Jaleek Swole. Yeah. You have to think about it. Jaleek Swole got injured. Yep. So he had time to get, he had a chance to regroup a little bit. Yeah, you it, know the kid's got natural talent. He's yeah. on a good bike, and he's he's training down at Fair. Like I don't know if he's on that offhand Alden program still, but he's been training at Ferry's place from what I know. Well, it, it's it's so. terrible to say this, but it's almost, uh, it's not almost. It it is a blessing for these amateur kids that turn pro to get hurt and then have time off. As shitty as that sounds, but yeah. When that's these guys get hurt, I it's agree. A, that's it, why I said. Yeah. That's why I said you're on the point. You don't even realize it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it. It's pathetic that it requires hurting an athlete before the sport allows somebody to have a break. Mm-hmm. Yep. But we we see it every year. 
hundred percent. So continuing on the two fifties here, um, I don't know if you caught it in the broadcast of Orlando too, but they were talking about Hunter Lawrence. You know, obviously he's been hurt a lot since he came over here, and he basically said, you know, cleaned up my nutrition, um, all this stuff like that, and and now he's he's feeling better and basically they they said on the broadcast that he basically said that his body was cannibalizing itself now obviously like we like we said with the chase thing it was one of those things that kind of shocked us and then we were like huh we don't really understand it so i was wondering if you could shed some light on on that comment and what your thoughts are on uh on what might have been going on with him well whenever somebody is put on a calorically restricted diet Mm -hmm. and i want all the listeners to think about this and this is a little bit gross, but I hope we're all adults. We can handle this. When you go to the bathroom, unless you've taken a multivitamin, your urine should be relatively clear. If you took a multivitamin, most multivitamins have B as in boy. They usually have B vitamins. Those are your energy vitamins, B, B6, B12. So when you go to the restroom, if your urine has a real pungent smell to it and your urine is dark yellow, that smell is the ammonia, which is a byproduct of tearing down muscle tissue. Hmm. So it's a very daily litmus test of whether or not you're getting enough protein, specifically amino acids. A lot of people don't realize that protein, not only does it rebuild muscle, but it also helps support the immune system. We'll put those two together. If you're on a calorically restricted diet, this is where you hear the word cannibalization. The body's pretty miraculous. If you don't give it what it needs, it will eat itself to get what it wants. Interesting. So, for example, if you think of if you think about hierarchy of needs, if you don't eat enough calories, you lay there in bed, your stomach's growling, your body's like, "Get up, feed me." But you're like, "Nope, I'm going to be dedicated. I'm not, I'm on a restricted calorie. I'm going to be a champion." And your body's like, "F you, get up and feed me." Okay. Now, if you take that illustration, take your little one. Don't let them eat for eight or nine hours and then tuck them into bed and say, sleep good. Good luck, Travis. They're not going to sleep. It's not happening at all. Yeah. That six-year-old's going to be at the side of my bed asking for food. <laughs> and what do you think Hunter's been doing? He's been begging for food. Hmm. Nope. He's jetting you're on a calorically restricted diet. You're on a 250, not to mention it's a slow one. You've got to be fast. You've got So what do they do? Remember we said earlier, you get these little assholes that get in their brain? Yeah. Yep. So now all of a sudden we wait until the ball, we wait until the wheels fall off the bus. We wait till we get sick. We wait till we get injured. And then what happens? Finally, people go, Hey, now that we've damn near ruined him since he's been here for three years, maybe we should actually pay attention to the principles of physiology and give him what he needs. Not what somebody that is a so-called trainer is over there telling him what he should be doing. Again, are we not looking at the concrete evidence? This is insane. Blood work is pretty concrete. It's what's flowing through your veins. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And last time I checked, we're in America. It isn't really hard to get some blood work done. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, he's pissed. Jet's eating donuts. Yeah. And he's eating, I don't know what he's eating. Yeah. <laughs> now, do well, you... Th- it, it, oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, brother. No, no, it's okay. Finish your I just think it's interesting. When you look at somebody like Jet that's making a little bit of a mockery of eating a donut, going against the grain of... Everything's got to be so hellfire and brimstone. Everything's got to be so extreme. And he's like, yep, just won the race. Give me a donut. (laughs) There's just a lot of little innuendos that people seem to miss. All the little jabs that all the, excuse me, that 
Roxon and AC have taken towards Alden. Yeah. Oh, you know, about Jason Anderson. About, <laughs> yeah. But my point is, is it's like now we're looking at Hunter. He's been on the same program for a couple of years. And if you look at the history of that program, it has the same result. And yet we're expecting a different outcome. Mm-hmm. It just drives me insane. Definition of insanity. I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt your amen. That's what. But for me to be sitting out here, you guys are kind enough to give me a forum. To, you're asking questions. And I hope the listeners don't think I'm pissed or jaded or on a soapbox. I'm just disappointed that as a sport that wants to grow, we're literally degrading our stars with a couple guys that are got a, an inroad to, to some of these OEMs that convince them that they know health and fitness and what the hell are we doing? I mean, if they want, that's why I said to you earlier, I'm not doing pros anymore. I just, I'm not interested. I mean, if any of the listeners want to like point at you and say that you're, you know, on your soapbox or whatever, I mean, we can look at this, the straight hard facts. Dungey rode for rode with you as the trainer for what? Five years, six years, seven. Uh, years. How many? How many years did you guys do together? We we didn't even get a year together. Oh, we really? only got Supercross that first year. Yeah, we only got Supercross oh, that him first year, that. and then <laughs> no, sir. I only oh, I got sound him like for an idiot now. Never mind. Then, Job, Travis. I'm I'm so stupid with this stuff. Never mind. Okay, so yeah. my point is invalid. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so nope. okay, so let's con- let's continue on here down our little path then. So Hunter obviously having issues with not eating enough calorie deficient gets hurt all the time are we looking at that same type of thing with someone like austin forkner where every time he hits the ground he gets hurt 100 percent. okay and and look at that look at that look at that last injury okay i'm not lord knows he's going faster than i've ever thought about going on the dirt bike i do not want to sound like a pompous prick here but you look at Look at the the uh, get off. Was it last year or maybe even two seasons ago when he yard darted himself in the whoops? Nashville two years ago. Uh, you look, two years ago, yeah. Two years ago. Then you look at this one, and I understand. Yes, you get wheel spin. You're not going to make it. But at this level of racing, it's like there's just enough of these little minute judgment misjudgments. And okay, it was a misjudgment. Well, to me, that's a sign of fatigue and low blood sugar. We could talk about that all night long. Mm-hmm. The second side of the problem is, yeah, he hit the ground, but it wasn't like he got yard darted the way that Jeremy Martin did. Yeah. And yet he broke his collarbone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Chase Sexton. I'm not, I, I've never been as fast as he's ever been, but him coming through the sand and he side swapped. I don't, again, I don't want to sound like I'm not being, you know, I know he's hauling ass through there, but it wasn't, he was coming out of the sand accelerating. And yes, I understand for every action, there's an equal and equivalent. He side swapped and hit the face of that. Yeah. But I've seen Jeff Emig take stuff way harder. I've seen Stanton take things way harder. I've <laughs> seen Ricky hit a boat. And I, again, I don't want to sound nice. <laughs> yeah. What's that? I've seen Ricky hit a boat. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. I know the bikes are faster and all that, but to your point, the, the, the silly mistakes seem to be happening, and the ramifications of those mistakes, they seem to be off the Richter scale. I just don't understand it, and that's why I have to agree with you. I think you've got somebody, no we're back to the asinine sense. system that we own. You've got a kid that's out there that's not 100%, has to race. We all know his contract's up this year. Mm. We, we're all, we all know he's not going to get signed. What do you think he's thinking? Yeah. Three yeah. years? 
in the points league and throws it away every year. Oh yeah. I, I keep asking these guys, start, I go, how many times does he do this before he doesn't have a ride anymore? No, Hep well, Suzuki's over there. Just, rides with. Hep Suzuki's rubbing their hands together. <laughs> oh God. They're going, <laughs> Hey, hey, they're getting Jordan Smith next. Jordan Smith's their next. Man, no, Smith they'll alone. take Fortner over Jordan leave Smith. Smith. Come on now. I think I think Fortner's well, got problem, one more contract in him before Kawasaki drops. No man, in. it's gonna be a Martin Devilos thing. But Smith, the Smith is out. He just points out. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, but you bring up a good point, Travis. Who's who's going to sign Fortner next year? I can't think of anybody that'll touch him. I, I where's I, he going to go? I think he's I think he's still got. Even though for me, yeah, I'm not signing him because you like you said, and like I've said multiple times, how many times you got to be in the lead and know that if I just turned it back five percent. I wouldn't hit the ground, and I'd still win. But yet I don't, and I fucking do this shit like this, and then I'm hurt, and then I'm not racing. That's why outdoors would be very interesting, in my opinion. But but yeah. I think I think Fortner's got one more Cowie contract left. Now, don't get me wrong. He's going to ride for not a lot of money. If he wants to stay on that PC bike, yeah. I think he's going to ride for not a lot of money, and I think it's going to be maybe like a, a Shimoda-type kind of contract. Year. Yeah, like I think it's going to be a, a highly... Highly paid bonus program, we'll call it, for winning, which he'll sign because he knows he or can Justin win. Or Justin Hill, JGR thing. Yeah, but but outside of that, yeah, I, I don't, don't, I don't think so. But Jordan Smith, I think Jordan Smith's done. I think he's absolutely done. He'll he can sign to like a lesser team. He you know maybe a Hep Suzuki, maybe say a uh, a Club MX deal or something like that. But he's done on factory bikes. He he has he's he's eliminated himself at this point. Yeah, I, I I would have to disagree with you. I don't see Forkner getting re-signed because there's too many good guys that are available and there's too many coming up that, you know, you're you're 0-3. You know, at, yeah. at some point, it, you know, it, it, and I hate to say it this way, but Mitch was so invested in AC, he couldn't afford to not keep him on the program. Yeah. He's not that way with Forkner. He's not that way with, with um, who you just mentioned, Jordan Smith. Smith. Yeah. He's with nobody like that, and at this point, you know, Mitch, he can be pretty cutthroat. I mean, very, he's a very loyal dude. He'll do anything for anybody. But Mitch is the kind of guy. It's like, all right, you, we gave you three chances, and I hate to say it, you can't win at PC. Where else are you going to win? Yeah, well, Mitch has also you know? got Jet Reynolds and Ryder D coming up. So yeah, that's true. Too. He's not. He's not really worried. I don't think. I, I just don't see it happening. I see Mitch going. Hey, dude, you're a great kid. I know you try hard, but. I put as much money in as I can afford to lose. And I, I understand what you're saying. Even if he raced for free or bonuses only, I just don't see Mitch being willing to invest those resources anymore. Yeah. You know, uh, which again goes back to what's going on behind the scenes. What kind of fatigue level are you dealing with? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, is it sad that on PC that Schmoda, the, the, you know, 11th hour signing is going to be the best dude on the team this year? Wow. Yeah. He, no, Seth Nemaker will be the best on the team. Well, but, okay. You know, sh- and Camel and McAdoo just got second. Shimoda so. will be the best buy. Yeah. Well, that's I, why I think outdoors would be very interesting for Forkner if he comes because he's missed the last two years. Yeah. Because you know, he's been hurt. And people, you know, and I almost think people forget that how good Forkner really is outdoors. I mean, he won his rookie year. He won a couple motos. I think he he didn't get an overall, if I remember correctly, or maybe he did while Shugel. I don't. I know. don't know if he does. I did. But well, it's going to be very that, interesting. That opens up another. I would agree 100% because if he gets pissed and we know he can haul ass outdoors, you know, it could be another one of those, like a, a like a Mike LaRocco. We all we all cringe during Supercross, but we can't wait to watch him outdoors, you know? Oh, yeah. So does he get the, the nod that outdoors he's 
worth every dollar in the world and they just put up with him for Supercross? I don't know. But I think you bring up a good point. If he stamps all these guys that killed him in Supercross outdoors, that would be, Travis, that's where I would have to agree with you 100%. But we'll have to wait to see how he does outdoors to see if he gives himself even a chance. I'm not going to be wrong. It's going to be a tall task beating Jeremy Martin on that starry Yamaha. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but think about the dogfight. If they're both healthy, how freaking awesome would that yeah. be? Oh, it'll be just like Jay Hart awesome. versus Ferrandez last year. It'll be awesome. Yeah. I mean, we could see an epic type of battle. Yeah, I would agree with you 100% there. That could be like the, the race of the summer. Um, I am partial to the to the Lawrence brothers. I would love to see them because, like Travis, like you and I spoke about, let's not forget that the reason why Hunter is, excuse me, the reason why Jet's even here is because of Hunter. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if Hunter comes into his own, think about that. What kind of an outdoor series could we have? Both Lawrence Brothers, Forkner, Cooper, Amart. I mean, and I'm, I'm leaving people out intentionally, but just those five guys, you've got a hell of a race on your hands outdoors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, especially with some pissed off people from Supercross that got hurt early. Because think about it. We were talking about how these forced injuries allow you to come in recovered. Can you imagine the eight or ten guys that are already out? They now get a four-month reprieve. Mm-hmm. And then you take the guys that had the momentum, and then they get, excuse me, the guys with momentum meet the guys that are fresh. We're going to have probably one of the best outdoors, both in, you know, both classes, some of the best bar-to-bar racing that yeah. we've ever seen outdoors. Oh, yeah. And oh, it is, isn't it? But it's pathetic because of injuries, not because of the way the series gives a shit about the riders. Yeah. Now, does anybody think that Kenny doesn't ride outdoors this year? Oh, there's no way. He's riding outdoors I don't. for sure. Okay. I just wasn't sure. Especially I mean, I know he, he took last year off, and that was kind of a special circumstance deal. But, you know, maybe he goes, oh, well, I like this, and I do really I well. I like what it did for my body. And yeah. Kind of thing like I don't, that. I don't, I don't think so, man, because, like, people forget, though, and I, I think that you know, coach talked about it with certain guys that only like supercross and we've all talked about it, but people forget, like we see how good Kenny's doing and we know how could he could have been had he not gotten hurt, but he has two 450 outdoor titles. Yeah. Like, we, let's not forget. Kenny is not a supercross specialist. He's an and, outdoor specialist. And he just, even though he took last summer off, I know I he, he was watching, he would have won that title, think, but yeah. you know, he was sitting there chomping at the bit. Like without the heat, I could race, 80% and, and still win. Seeing how Eli did, no disrespect, Travis, to your boy, Zacho, but if Kenny would have been there outdoors, he, I, I... Look, we proved everyone wrong. We won a 450 title. I understand that, and I'm not saying this is not to be taken away. We did. Yeah, it's not me taking away from Zacho and stuff, and we all saw good how AC did after Red, or at Red Button on, but I think a lot of people look and go, with the way that championship went, if Kenny would have been there, yeah. I think Kenny wins that title, and if especially if he wins the Supercross title... I think outdoors, he's going to be going, well, if I'm back to 100% in the, the 2016, you know, could have been 2017 Kenny, I'm, I'm the guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm the best in the world outdoors. Yeah. Not, you know, aside from geysers and hurlings, I'm the best in the world, and these guys got nothing for me. <laughs> Had to throw that in there. Had to throw hurlings in there. not the best in the world there. Let's just tell that fa- Okay, he's fastest in the world outdoors. Do we need to get uh, what's-his-nuts on here to who? tell you that he's not who it's? Sleater? Sleater? What? What? I don't really care what Mike Slater has to say. Because he definitely was talking a bunch of shit about how Hurlings was not the best dude Who in the world. did he say was the best in the world? Uh, I don't remember. Did he say an American? But he, No, I don't, I don't know that he threw out who was. If he said Geyser, he was, that's He was very much on the Hurlings is not as great as everyone thinks. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can talk I about totally that for hours. I disagree with that. Hurlings, 
he's awesome, but he gets hurt. A different planet. He well, does. That's true. He that's does get true. hurt a lot. He gets hurt a lot. But so was James Stewart. Well, yeah. yeah. But this argument is is not championships and stuff like that. It's who's the fastest in the world, and I'm picking just Hurling raw speed, raw. Everything. Yeah, I mean, how many I, times does he have to I beat mean, everybody okay. in America? I, I will, I will give you that the raw, the raw speed right now. Yes, that guy out on any any outdoor track. Period. Yes. He is the fastest from, dude in the world yeah. right now. From managing a championship standpoint, I mean, he's terrible. You, he's but, fucking terrible. But see, though, look look when he won his last outdoor championship, he completely missed almost two rounds and still won. Yeah, yeah but handily. That, yeah, but he's not gonna. He's no because he's, he's, he's gonna, so he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a James Stewart type rider to remember. Of super fucking fast, couldn't stay off the ground to be, get the titles. To make him the best ever. Oh, I don't. I don't disagree with you at all. I've okay, never great. disagree with you about that. But I'm right. But I'm talking about as far as raw speed. If there's anybody that thinks there's a guy that's faster in the world at hurling's outdoors, they're not paying. They just don't like hurling's. Yeah. It's like the same way I was a conversation with Eli. Not an Eli fan, but you can't you can't disagree with his his statistics and his wins. Yeah. And yeah. how many? Like I said, how many times does hurling's have to beat everybody by 45 seconds? Ken Roxon. Eli Tomac, everybody included, before people go, yeah, maybe he's not winning all these championships, but there's nobody faster than him on an outdoor track. Yeah. And, I mean, as long as we're well, on that t- Oh, go ahead, Coach. No, you go back to, like, what Cole said earlier. I think it depends on where is Roxon halfway or, let's just say, at the end of Supercross. I'm going to predict if he gets a beatdown and loses Supercross, he does not race outdoors. That's a, I would say that's probably a fair assessment. Yep. Like you mean like beat down as far but, as like the he just loses or like he loses the points by quite a bit? By quite a bit. Okay. I think if, like we were saying earlier, if, if, if Coop comes in and just doesn't just beat him but just humiliates him, I see Kenny because lots of money, doesn't really need to go outdoors. He'll find a reason to say that whether it's his Lyme disease, his AC disease, his A disease, his shingles. other disease, <laughs> shingles, you know, small cock syndrome, something's <laughs> going to get in his way. HIV. Now he can't go race outdoors. Oh, uh, yes. Because his contract, his contract allows him to. That's the hard part. A lot of these, a lot of our listeners may or may not realize his contract's guaranteed whether he races or doesn't race. Mm-hmm. Where, you look at some of these guys, like you said earlier, don't race at least 50%. Or when I say race, you have to at least be on the gate for the main event to even get your salary. Mm-hmm. That's why you see the behavior being, you know, look at Coop when he didn't like the Yamaha. Well, because he came off a championship, his contract allows him to say, I get paid whether I race or not. So, hey, I don't like the way the Yamaha handles and I have a hangnail. I'm not racing outdoors. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. Yep. And that's the way some of these contracts are. Like you were saying, you know, if he can just get paid, and I may be completely talking to my a-hole here, he may only get 50% of his contract. You know, let's say that the the second half of the year, he may only get, my point is he's still getting paid, whether he races or not. Yep. People don't understand that. So I think that if he doesn't, if he's not on the top and he's not shining like a superstar, he'll conveniently not be feeling good when we go to outdoors mm-hmm. just based on what we've seen the last couple of years. But I agree with you. I don't, and I think that was Cole speaking about, you cannot deny Roxon on that RCH Suzuki sands, the one set of forks that blew out. 
he was unstoppable. Oh, 100%. We saw the true Kenny outdoor. Yeah. 21 of 24. 20 of 24? Everybody goes back to that Millville ride with the bent shifter. Oh, and you mean when he came from dead last to first in a matter of two laps? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's. And let's not forget, no disrespect, that was on a Suzuki. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the last time Suzuki looked good. I mean, he just made. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You know, think about that. And it's. So do we know do we know Kenny can do it? Yes, none of us would bet against him. Does he want to do it? All depends on how humiliated he gets. Now, I could be eating crow. He freaking just stamps the second half like we were asking earlier. Does he pull through the second half? If the answer is yes, now we've got a 450 outdoors that would be wonderful because now you got him on his A game. You got Coop that's out for redemption. We don't know if Eli will show up or not. But you know, nah, all of a sudden show. now you've got Chase Sexton who's in there, Barsha that wants to bang bars, Friends. and AC that's trying to redeem himself and make himself be the top dog on Cowie. And we know what those internal fights are like. Mm-hmm. Those are spectacular. Yep. We love those. It's not like both of those. It's not like AC is making you know ten percent of what Eli is. It's not like when Villapoto had Weimer on the team. It was no big deal if Weimer won here and there. But when AC can take dominance as the premier guy on the team, come on. You don't think he wants that? Oh, yeah. I mean, just for bragging rights at the momentum, as Lance Armstrong says, AC is going to want momentum to change zip codes. That's for sure. Travis, you know how Coach, you notice how Coach left off your boy Zacho on that list? Hey. <laughs> I'm just saying. Hey. I, I'm just saying. I, I left off what? I'm sorry. You, you left off Zacho. I, I was telling Travis because he's a Zacho <laughs> fanboy. That uh, you didn't you didn't mention well, Osborne, so you know I just kind of had to jab him with that a little bit. <laughs> well, but think about it. it that, we're just like everybody else. He's not much of a contender in Supercross. We forget until we get a couple rounds, and we're like, oh yeah, I remember Zach and Bingo. remember Anderson and I remember, remember Muskan and remember. Hey, until yeah, it's just then he comes out and he wins the opening outdoor, and then we're like, oh shit, Zach, number one play, red play, holy no, shit, Jesus, yeah, whatever, man. And then we're, and then <laughs> whatever, we're, man. we're right in there in it. Whatever, man. You know what? We when Zach loses, you'll go to AC, and then when AC's having an off weekend, you go to Sexton, and then if Kenny's, man, what are you gonna do? You slowly gonna dwindle down, and seven deuce deuce is gonna be your boy. You got so much to juggle. You got so much to juggle around, man. You got so many guys. Eventually, you're gonna be on my boy Max Anstey's train. Oh my god, I don't want to hear from you guys. I don't want to hear it. All right. Well, you think about those. Think about those teams. You've got you've got Kenny and Sexton battling for top dog. You got Cowie with Tomac and AC battling for top dog. And then over at KTM, you know either Osborne or Muskan. Some one of those two guys want to knock Webb off the map. So not only do we have you know just bar to bar racing, but then you have that in house camaraderie, rivalry, whatever you want to call it. Then you look at Yamaha. Oh, that's right. Neither one of them matter. But you know, you get whoa. my point. Just like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, damn! Yes, that was a gut punch. Yes. I love it. Rob comes in well, with these love, and it's awesome. Well, I love Plessinger, but like he's on this Yamaha, and I think he's in the same curse that Cooper Webb was. You know, win the championship on a 250, be worth millions of dollars, and then just wrestle this Yamaha 450. What the hell is going on with this bike? I, I, think I mean, he's, I think we he's know taking that, a step. A little bit better with the with the just transitioning finishing. back to star because just, those guys know yeah. him. But he's finishing, so yeah. that's, that's I just heard I've heard some things where his contract is a little more relaxed too. Where uh, oh. this kind of goes to like a Dennis Rodman thing, where you got to let the guy go have fun to perform. Uh, uh, hang out in the woods, and 
I, I get what you mean. Um, <laughs> he's kind of a little bit of a party boy off the yeah. track sometimes. Yeah. And uh, I guess Yamaha, the factory team, was like, you, you get caught doing anything like that, you're done. Yeah. Um, and I think Star allows him to do those kinds well, of things. I mean, Star has like 30 riders, so they gotta. Yeah. You know, they really well, don't care about. <laughs> well, they probably all party together. What's, what's the over-under that they double up the amount of riders they have next well, year? Well, they got Nick Pretty Romano, <laughs> Levi Kitchen, and Matt LeBlanc coming in. So, yeah. you know, that's. I think Kitchen's going to be the best out of those guys. Maybe. So do I. If he'd call us back, we well, could interview then, him and ask. <laughs> and we hadn't even talked about Ferrandis going outdoors. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if he yeah. can get along with the 450, I mean, we know he can ride outdoors. You can never count Plessinger out. But, again, if you look at Supercross, we're, we we watched the Yamaha start top five and fade to 11th, 12th, 13th. It's, it's pretty hard to vote for a Yamaha when they get a good start and can't keep it up there. And you've seen Barsha go off of it. You know, you just – Malcolm every once in a while gives it a little bit of spark, you know, and then he plays bowling ball with everybody. He turns left and a right hand turn. I mean, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> oh man, I love the Yamaha jabs. I, I mean, I mean I, that 450 is just. There's something obviously wrong with that thing. I guess, Nobody can but then on it. look at Frenchie's rides. Okay, he's been on the box last week at Orlando too. He basically was yep. in the pits to start, comes back to where the hell did he finish? It was high. Uh, he was he was basically about yep. to go lap down 11. and then just literally and came back around. Was if you looked at lap times, I think um, I think JT made this comment, but uh, lap times were he would have been right up in the the top yeah. three fighting the whole race. Yeah, he just so, had some issue. I can't remember what shifter. it was. Shifter, okay, pulled in the pits and then yeah, is almost getting lapped. Comes back out right in front of the leaders and then just comes all the way back around to inside the top ten. I mean, he's he's impressive yeah, on that bike. That, but where was that at Orlando one? Right, yeah. you know what I mean. The inconsistency. It's not like you change. It's not like you change cities where the dirt type change. It's like because I would love to see a Yamaha get up there. Chris Cooksey and I were always teasing because Hopper calls it a stink bug and everything else, and Hopper defends it because he's got one. You know, excuse me, Cooksey's got a Yamaha, so he defends it. Yeah, and I'm just like, I would like to agree with you, but it, Cooksey says it all the time. For in stock form, it's a bike that we all could do well on, but that factory bike. Nobody, I mean, help me out, histor- you guys are historians. I go all the way back to James Stewart. Who was He's, on the Yamaha before Stewart? Maybe Barsha? Or was Barsha after Stewart? Chad. And that Yamaha Chad could and, not perform on a 450 yeah. platform. Chad couldn't make Chad, it work on Langston, the 450. Well, Langston won the outdoor title, but once again, that's outdoors. We'll wasn't, wasn't Brayton and uh, no, Brayton was Grant after on Stu. there before? No. no? Okay. Grant was Stu, on in 09. So, Stu won 09, and then... 2010, he went to San Manuel, and that was the new bike with the reverse engine. Yep, that bike and, was turd. Yeah, and then he did decent in 11. One, still, I think one of the best seasons that we've seen. Yeah, Chad two two motorsports, but he defending. But Stu aired himself into the ground. Yeah, yeah, but he lawn darted himself a lot. <laughs> and then obviously the whole JGR debacle. If JGR couldn't yep. figure things out, then. Something's going on. So Which, even that custom well, tank that they it, built for him. Yeah. Yep. Well, when Chad Reed says the Yamaha guys won't even listen to what recommendations he's made, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, really? And then you think about how J Bone's hands are tied there. And, yeah. you know, Coy Gibbs has got pretty much unlimited resources to fabricate everything and anything. Yeah. And they still couldn't turn it around. Yeah. And I was like, man, oh, man. I don't want to be negative Nelly, but shit, if, if JGR can't take and turn it around, who the hell is going to turn around? I know Star's trying, but right now it's not looking too good halfway through Supercross. It's funny, though. You look at the GPs and those guys, they haven't won a championship yet, but with Sewer and Koldenhoff, 
uh, now coming on the yeah. team, but Sewer and Paul Land and all those guys, they make that bike work. So maybe maybe the, Amer- the American team needs to collab with them because they got their bikes dialed. Well, that's what yeah. happens when you can change your frame. Well, yeah, but still. I mean, <laughs> everything they're doing over there, though, that bike is not... Like, if you ask the guys over in the GP pits, the Yamaha bike is one of the most sought-after rides. They want, And that's not even a full factory team. Yeah, but, I mean, you got to look yeah. at the difference, though, because think about it. Here, we can't change the frame. Can't no, change no. the swing arm. Yeah, well, that. they got carbon fiber but what, what all I'm over saying that is, thing. Their so. engineers, though, are doing something. Even though you can change the frame, they're doing something to make those bikes handle. And everybody likes to bitch over here. And they're getting just as much help with the factory teams over, over here as they do over there. So my point is, I, well, yeah, they're doing something right. The uh, I think the rules are a little loose here, so you can kind of bend them a little. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, they they should take note from those guys over there. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Oh man! All right. Uh, where you guys where you guys want to go next? I know we're getting pretty long here, so we we'll probably start wrapping uh, up right, here yeah. soon. I'm, I'm coach, good, you man. got coach, you got a can I? Can I ask you a hard question? And oh you don't boy. have to answer it if you, you want to. Oh, man. Yeah, you can ask me anything. Ask okay. me anything. Go okay. Ahead. So, uh, so we all know you used to do the Cooksey and the, Cooksey and the Coach podcast there. Oh, boy. And we all know yeah. that that, that, went, uh, that went downhill due to some, some things that I, I won't throw out there, but I, I was curious on your thoughts on it. And if you don't want to answer on the air, that's fine. We didn't talk about it off the air. That's no problem. But I was just, I was curious on your thoughts because I, I definitely have thoughts about it, um, about about how it all was handled and, and not able to be done anymore. So, yeah, no, um, I don't, I don't mind. There's no reason to smokescreen or mirror anything. Um, with no names of companies being mentioned, mentioned, excuse me, um, Chris was essentially threatened with his job that if we didn't take the show down, he was going to lose his job. And he has a very young family. And like I told him, I said, man, we're, we're in this together. If it, if it's not both of us, it's neither of us. And if there's a chance that one of us is going to pay the price, then there's no reason for doing it. Mm-hmm. And that was literally the, that, that is the absolute 100%. He was pretty much told, uh, to stop or run the risk of losing his day job. And so we stopped. And, uh, until, you know, there, what, what point is it? Uh, I guess we got into some subjects that uh, I don't know if it's a person, a group of people, organizations, both. They didn't like what we were talking about. I guess they thought we were getting a little too close to the fire. And so they, they made some phone calls and, and as the old saying goes, they made shit happen. Mm-hmm. And that was we our, our show got shut down and, you know, I, I have too much respect for Chris and for his wife and his two little ones uh, for us to, you know, to be able to, to, to expose some of the truth and ask some of the hard questions evidently didn't resonate with everybody. And, uh, out of respect for Cooksey, we have to, res- you know, cease and desist as the old saying goes. Yeah, I am. He, I mean, me and him have talked and I, I like that guy a lot. I appreciate the fact that he takes time to, uh, to talk back and forth with me through DMS period. And, and, you know, would share and be, make me privy to that information. Cause I was asking, I was like, dude, where's the show? And he, he didn't hesitate. Like he definitely told me, you know, what was up. And I'm, I was, I was yeah. pretty much blown away of like, wow, this is, this is real life here. Because yep. to me, it's like, I, I want to make, phone calls and be like you guys are fucking idiots like what the hell is the matter with you yeah. you know so um, yeah <clears throat> now again everything happens for a reason if that doesn't happen i may never 
talk to you or maybe a long time down the road before you and I hook up and then I have you on my show, which, you know, it's great for me, but at the same time, I feel bad for Chris. And I told Chris, I was like, if you ever get to the point that you can do something, call me and, you know, we'll put you on the show. I don't care. Like you can come on our show if you can't even have your own, but Travis, don't you know, Mathis says, if you're not at the races, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, yeah, I mean, we don't go to the races most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. We just, we don't go to the races. So our opinion sucks. (laughs) Yeah. But we're watching it on TV and no, no, we're not there. 90% 90% we're of not there we cannot everyone. comment on it look okay. coach yeah. this, we can this, relate to people more this actually. is Justin speaking so I want just so you know who's it coming from I'm not the biggest fan of Steve Mathis I listen to his show but both of these guys know I can't fucking stand Steve I really can't <laughs> look and I need information I understand and he gives that. Me good information and I so I have to and I won't listen. name a, and I won't name a writer but we did an interview with a certain person that I'm close with over the summertime and that person even said there's no <laughs> fucking way I would go do an interview with that guy yeah and this was a former pro circuit rider and yeah. i'm just i can't yeah. i can't stand him this was a pro circuit rider that i interviewed in a geico honda shirt yeah, travis wore a geico honda shirt do an yeah i do all i can Steve. to get this interview and then he shows up and he's in a geico shirt and i'm like what the hell he still did the interview all right he did fine. but he was and, like what and, are you doing? and rider even said nice shirt that's <laughs> totally fine situation was normal all right oh god no big deal well and and, and one somebody blew me out on um Johnny Hopper put together a video and he kind of mentions it a little bit. It's talking about rider safety and stuff like that. And I put a comment up there just to let people know, you know, again, just let them know the truth. I have nothing to hide. And the reason why I say that is some guy blew me out and said, Hey, if you're going to get to where you talk on the fringes, you need to go all in. And I'm like, you obviously don't understand or you didn't read what I commented. (laughs) If I go all in, if I go all in, Chris Cooksey loses his job. Yep. Now, how, how fucking selfish can that be? So for me to be the guy that calls people out and one of my best friends is no longer employed, I mean, it's, this is the problem that I have with, uh, as Daniel Blair says, the angry fingers. Like, do you have no insight outside of just your own little self-centered world? Mm-hmm. You know, I would never say anything that's going to cause a friend of mine to lose his job. It's not about being, I want to be the first one to get it out there. I want to be the one to tell the truth. I would love to tell the truth, but the context of our conversations and the volatile points we brought up germinated from Cooksey and the coach. Mm -hmm. So guess what, you idiot? If I go out in another forum here, anywhere else that I go, my own show, whatever it is, well, guess what? The backlash is going to be Cooksey loses his job. Yep. Now, if you're that fucking stupid and you don't understand basic economics, all right, well, guess what? Continue to live in your mom's basement because I don't know what else to tell you. So it's everyone not on how the Vital? real world works. So everyone on Vital MX? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but like you say, it's a shame. But well, we'll be back. It's just a matter of when and how. Yeah, well, hey, like I said, Anytime you want to come on the show, this and, janky and, radio show, yeah, and vent about anything because we <laughs> we are not tied show. to the industry, oh. so we can say whatever the hell we want. They can't shut us down over here. Oh. So, oh, well, no. that's what Hopper says all the time. I don't report it; I just make fun of it, and I'm like, that is the quote of the week for me. Yes, yes, that is perfect. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> oh, good stuff. I, I don't report it. I just make. I mean. He's he does a good job of doing that too. He'll he'll definitely uh, put put some stuff out there. He's not scared, which is great. So, but again, you got. Well, what know. I think is funny is the keyboard experts that are like, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about." I'm like, dude, if you truly know what he knows, and the fact that he's being that vulnerable, mm-hmm. 
whether it's his route with PEDS or whether it's his running with AMA or being censored by the media, if you think this guy is trying to make shit up, you have got to be one of the stupidest people that love motocross because that dude has zero reason to embellish anything. And if mm-hmm. you don't see that, there's a reason why he's got 15, 20, 22,000 views in a week on a video because people are starting to realize, holy shit, this guy can't be ostracized. He can't be, there's nobody, what are they going to do? How is somebody going to come after him and try to censor him? But because they drink the Coca-Cola syrup and they believe all the other talking (laughs) pundits that want to spin it, well, that's okay. You just continue to stay in your, you know, influence world. But eventually, as I said in my comment on Hopper's latest video, the truth is so close to coming out. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, well, you keep beating around the bush. If you're going to make the declaration, go deep. And I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) I would love to. But I can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would love to. Well, the ramifications are much bigger than me, dude. Well, I yeah, and I don't know because you said you don't listen to Pulp, so I don't. Maybe I told you this the last show, but so Steve made a comment on there about like people talking about the races on podcasts and stuff that don't go to the races. Okay, and how he <laughs> he doesn't, I guess, approve of that. And like, got very, very vocal about it. I think he was talking to uh, who was, talking it? was it? Talking about Gypsy Tales. Was it Wes? Well, it was Wes. He was talking to Wes, was it Wes Williams, Williams um, about the Moto Spy series, and he was basically saying like, "Oh yeah, I should be the only one in there." And Wes is like, "Well, we need to, you know, broaden our horizons and have more more talking people in there than than just you." And Steve went on this whole tangent about, like, well, how are you going to comment on the races if you don't go to the fucking races? Yeah, Steve talking to Wes about anything motor-related is dumb because <sighs> Wes did something with a company that we had never seen before in yeah. Moto, And the fact that after all these years they were gone and he brought it back and it's just as popular as ever. Yeah. Like, I haven't listened to that interview, Travis, but yeah. the fact that he was saying anything to Wes... It just blows my mind because it's like Wes was an innovator in this industry for stuff that we had never seen before. Yeah. Well, and now it's Absolutely. like the coverage is so good. And, and that's why, Coach, we're, we make fun of it because it's like we obviously we go to races when we can, but we don't go to all of them. Yeah, we have, we're, we're, we're not on jobs. that level. Yeah. yeah. So and then he was even going as far as like, so have you heard of the Gypsy Tail podcast? Oh, yeah, you've been on there. Never mind. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Stupid. I'm wow. so dumb tonight. Boo. It's late. Boo. Leave me alone. I haven't eaten in six hours. My blood sugar's low. Whatever, man. <laughs> anyway. No worries. But, but, yeah, so, I mean, basically to the point of, like, saying, like, this, like, Jace should not be commenting about it either. And it's like, uh, what? And, like, he's been making fun of it in his podcast, too, which I just think is hilarious because I honestly think yeah. he is the one guy here that is going to come and eat Pulp MX's lunch like, he's doing it from australia yeah and he's doing it from australia where literally right now he cannot leave the country to come here to even they're be like, at the races if he wanted they're like to the third or second biggest yeah. podcast in all of australia and new zealand i thought i heard the other day he is the he, oh, he might, is the he biggest, the biggest in australia now. yeah now. he might be now but yeah but it's it's well, wild and the part that cracks me up is is mathis doesn't even go to all the races mm-hmm. yeah because he's a bitch well and the best part is is he doesn't go to all the races so then you have like was it Lat? I think it was Orlando too. He didn't stay for, and then he's on his show on Monday talking about how oh I didn't watch first practice on the app because I was out mountain biking. Same thing with outdoors. He doesn't go to yeah. all the outdoors. And it's like wait what? So you're you're telling people that they can't comment because they don't go to the races, but then when you don't go to the races, you also don't watch all of it, which the rest of us do. So I mean I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's- 
Don't get me wrong. Whatever. We're, we're nobody, so it doesn't matter. That's why we can say I whatever think, we want. I think but. Mathis needs to take a step back, and I haven't listened to any of the reviews this year, mm-hmm. but like, apparently he's getting to the point that people, even on the vital form, which <laughs> I find hilarious because they're like, they suck. See Mathis' dick. Uh, him and JT, like, they have their back and forth banter, but I guess the last couple episodes have gotten like over the top that they like can't stand it because he's just argumentative about everything. I think Honestly, Steve, he's been do he's been doing it for too long. He needs to take a step back because now he's getting jaded. Yeah, like I don't know. I just I can't stand him. He, he's retiring, bro. He needs to, which will be great. Sure. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those situations. It, it's it's kind of like when somebody does a bad job long enough that the the fallout at the bottom is greater than the new in the top. So yeah. you end up with a net gain of a negative, and that sounds to me like where he's going. You know. It's, it's kind of like you go, it doesn't matter if it's a retailer or whatever, eventually, it, well, here I am in the humor performance world, let's talk about trainers. Trainers have enough of a bad reputation that there's more people that are dropping out of these trainers programs that are coming in. That's why you're seeing a lot of them deviate from the sport because essentially they've been called out. Mm-hmm. You know, If it wasn't for some of these trainers having their son now coming up, they would no longer be of any relevancy whatsoever. So they would be already pushed out. I mean, think about it. People, Jeremy McGrath could walk through the pits and half the young kids today don't even know who he is. The best part, (laughs) they'll ask him to take a picture of them with some other rider, which is hilarious to me. Yes. Yeah. And it's no disrespect to Jeremy. My point is, is eventually you become irrelevant just by the nature of the aging of our sport. Mm -hmm. The problem that you run into is when you tell enough lies and you spin enough truth, eventually you're out there long enough that you've got enough dings against you. That's why the people that are cheating with PEDS, the truth will come out. Look at the Tour de France. It will come out. When? That's the interesting part. When you're out there fabricating truths or you're spinning something, you do it enough times. Like you said, vital. Maybe the group is starting to catch on. I don't know what it is because I don't listen to it. I refuse to give my resources of time to him. Mm-hmm. The idea here is when the fallout number is bigger than your growth numbers, you have a negative net gain, you eventually disappear. It's just economics 101. The, the cool part about it is, as the old saying goes, thanks to social media, the world's a much smaller place. So, yes, you can get and spin a bunch of shit out there. But if you spin a bunch of stuff and you can't substantiate it, you have no place to hide from it because you just have documentation after documentation or people have screenshotted and now you've conveniently pulled it down off your Instagram or social media. That can only happen so long before you're pretty much figured out that you're just a farce. Yeah. Well, And it doesn't matter if it's trainers or whether it's podcasts, it's all the same. My my favorite part is his best friend JT it like argues back and forth with him about well do you, all these football and baseball and you know hockey people they don't they don't go to all the games so but yet they have you know shows on TV mainstream TV basically that Look at ESPN yeah that <laughs> they talk about you know the the football season all this stuff so I mean your your yeah. point is is somewhat irrelevant there steve so everything steve says is irrelevant <laughs> well, you, you, all i can picture is somebody just beating their chest like a gorilla saying i'm the only one that should be allowed to be a player and because i'm affiliated with the racer x's of the world and all this other stuff that i'm supposed to be the only player 
yeah. I'm like, wow, that sounds that sounds a tad bit out of control and a tad bit egocentric. But okay, if you believe it, go ahead. Keep, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I guess drinking your own night. Kool-Aid. Yeah, like I said, we'll just let him do it till he, you know, gets old and just poops in his diaper in the corner and retires. It's good for us. Well, here's what I think is funny. I I haven't looked it up, but I'm going to make a note and do it tomorrow. I'm going to go look at how many views does he get on his YouTube pulp show and how many does Johnny Hopper get in one day? Oh, Hopper definitely gets more. And where the momentum is coming. Hopper definitely gets more. Uh, uh, Yeah. I could already probably tell you that with... yeah. Definite, 100% certainty that Johnny's definitely getting more, yeah. for sure. John, Johnny gets more, and, and Jace over there. I'm saying his name right, right? The Gypsy Tail guy, Jace, right? Yeah. Jason yeah. And then you got Jeremy, yeah. you got Jeremy yeah. Hammer he, as well. He, he absolutely, they, those guys absolutely kill him. So if you look at it this way, he can go out there and say he needs to be the only vocal piece of the sport, but yet the people that are calling him out are getting the lion's share of the views. That's why you see them getting louder and louder because they're becoming more and more uncomfortable with the message that's getting unveiled Mm -hmm. and people are connecting the dots. And when that momentum starts to shift and that exposure comes out, that's what everybody's definitely afraid of. And that's why I keep saying it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when the, the house of glass, you know, the house of cards will continue to start to unravel itself. Yeah, and it's because of it's because of those kind of blowhard comments. I haven't seen it or heard it, and maybe if you don't mind, send me the link because I'm not going to waste my time looking for it. But if you know it off the top of your head, send it to me. Yeah, I'd love I'll, to watch I'll it. I'll find it. I'll find it. I'll send it to you. Perfect. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Yep. So okay. So wrapping up. Anything else you two want to ask, Coach? Here. No, I I just want to thank him for his time. Every yeah, time he every time he comes on, I know this every time, but this is the second, <laughs> second time. time. On. Every time, hopefully for future reference. Yeah, ho- yeah. Hopefully for future reference, it's it's always great insight and uh, really opens up my mind to when you know we're we're BSing and bench racing in the future. Some points that I'm gonna have that may have not come into my mind before. So, mm-hmm. um, again, like I said, thank you for coming on, man. Absolutely, thanks for having me, guys. I know it's we're stroking each other's egos, but I mean it sincerely. I, I love being able to bench rest and uh, bench race and having an environment where, you know, if, if someone's offended, they can just stop listening, but, uh, allows us to be able to share our thoughts and our feelings. And I appreciate it very, very much. And I'm happy to come on whether it's a regular cadence or just when you, when you have a hole, I'm happy to fill it. Hey, don't tempt me with a good time of having well, you as a regular person. Well, dude, it'd, be, it'd be pretty cool the the next time. I'd love it. Yeah. You just let me know. So I can get on my calendar. I, I have the same thing with Ben Greenwood in Australia. You know, we do it at the fourth Thursday of every month. And okay. uh, like I say, happy to do it. It's uh, especially as the racing gets more and more uh, in depth, I guess. And as yeah. we transition to outdoors, it'll get even more exciting to see who can even get to the starting line, the rate we're going. Mm-hmm. Well, Travis, the next time we have Kevin on, I mean, I know Kevin after the race is a, is a local, you know, he's every time, but if we have Kevin and Colton, then next time we get Hubert on and, if we can get Mosman on and stuff, have Coach on there, and just you know, kind of like the the last time he was on, just have a you know roundtable discussion, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can definitely. That'd be awesome. And I know, Coach, we talked about uh, getting some of your amateur guys on here at some point, and I am currently working on actually having a schedule <laughs> laid out yeah. with when yeah, the man. show is and stuff like that. We're trying yeah. to get more. We need to more start. We need to get more organized over now here. Now that we're starting to yeah. dive into it a little more. So yeah. more interviews coming on here. You know, we're. Yeah, we, have to, we have to be regular time, boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it sounds good. And you invested in all this IT stuff and all this technical digital stuff. So, hey, got to get your money back. 
Yeah, that would be that would be great. As I as I've told some <laughs> other people, like if I could just get where the where this part of it is self sufficient, and I'm not pulling advertising budget from the powder coating side of everything to pay for all of this stuff, would be awesome. Yeah. My girlfriend would really love that it would too. Be. <laughs> yeah, she she would be like, yes, I this is imagine. this is the best. You don't well, have the, to. Then hopefully Kevin anymore. doesn't get a top five soon because then we don't have to do bonus money. <laughs> Look, first off, yeah. that was you two who ran. Oh, your that's yeah, right. That's that. true. Do not drag that's me right. in. That's with just this, us. Okay? But all right. <laughs> Hopefully Kevin doesn't get a top five soon. Then. Well, we'll see. He's well, who's coming back? Around. Who's going to be back? Is saying. Hampshire going to be back? Like I don't think a lot. We're of rooting guys. against our boy, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so you know. all right, Coach. Um, so stuff. before we let you go, where can they find you if they want to get any information, supplements, whatever from you that you are uh, any, anything you're doing right now, training wise or anything like that? Where can they go to find that info on you? I appreciate it. First and foremost, do not buy my supplements. Eat real food. And once yeah. we get blood work and we deem it necessary, that's uh, when supplements kick in. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, no, anybody can check us out if you're into racing. Uh, CompleteRacingSolutions.com is a great place to start. You can find us at the same, uh, what do they call it, Instagram handle or whatever that is. It's at Complete Racing Solutions. Um, if you're looking for videos on how to train, strength training, flexibility. It's Coach Rob with two Bs, Coach Rob Beans on YouTube. But uh, I do want to give my uh, assistant's email address out. If there's a listener frustrated or just wants to drill me, um, contact at CoachRob with two Bs.com. Um, I cannot say this enough. I know there's a lot of bullshit that's floating around out there. High fat, no fat, high protein, no protein, high intensity, low intensity. I'm going to show my age here, but this is my 37th year of doing it. And we've been through it all, as I tease you guys. If it's on the nutrition side, you know, we've been through Zone and Atkins and South Beach and now Keto. You know, we've been through Super Slow, <laughs> Super Setting, P90X. I mean, Insanity. Uh, now Hit Training, CrossFit. It's, 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 the extremes are ridiculous. My point is this. If you have a question why it's working, why it's not working, hit us up. I don't care because I, this sounds so hokey. It's not about whether you guys are a paying client. I do my own emails. Jennifer kind of categorizes them and sends them to me. Uh, Jennifer, by the way, she's the one that answers the emails, contact at coachrob.com. She categorizes them just so like if I've got 25, 30 emails, I'll, and they're in the nutrition category. At least I know my mindset is I'm just answering questions about nutrition or maybe injuries or whatever. Hit us up. Happy to help. I don't, I'm not trying to make or convert somebody into a paying client. What I want to do is get you answers to your frustrations. So um, when you go to the completeracingsolutions.com, yes, there's resources there. There's articles and videos and coaching programs. We have a very inexpensive membership program. It's 15 bucks a month. But I do two live webinars. has all the training programs, both on and off the bike. It has nutrition and sports psychology. And, hey, the only reason why we created that membership area is because people asked for it. So hopefully that fills a void for somebody. And like I said, if we can help in any way, we've never gotten a question that we thought was stupid. Uh, now I take that back. I did get one question <laughs> about somebody that said, does smoking really have a negative effect on your life? Oh, that God. was a serious question that I got promoted that somebody asked me. Oh, boy. And I'm not mocking them, but I was really surprised considering this is not – 1980 we know a little bit more about smoking but 
uh, that was the only one that I was kind of surprised. I actually thought it was a joke, but I responded and they thanked me back for answering the question. So I guess it was sincere. So, wow. um, they, maybe I shouldn't have said that one, but <laughs> hey, it's all right, but please hit no us problem. up if we can help in any way. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, cool. Well, thank you coach again for coming on again. I, I really appreciate it. And, um, like Very I said, so. we're, we're working on the schedule here and trying to kind of look at when the, uh, when the amateur nationals are here so we can get some of your guys on. And uh, we will okay. we will definitely have you on again to uh, to bench race here and talk some more about all the ins and outs of the industry that we don't uh, we don't quite know, know about yet yeah, over here. So yeah. since we're all outsiders looking no, in, so good. all no, right, sounds good. And thanks, Trav. Thanks, Cole. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it, guys. Yep. Thank no you. Problem. We'll talk to you soon, Coach. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye bye. All right. So that was awesome. Yeah. How was that for you two? That was great. I mean, that no. was my second one, so I've been through the initial. No. Oh my God, this is great. Yeah, it, and like I told him right there, it when we were doing our race reviews and stuff in the future, it's really gonna open up my mind. Like mm-hmm. if if some guy goes up there and he eats shit, like let's point at his trainer. Let's uh, or if a guy has a continuous year of just shitty, 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 he makes a trainer change and has a program change. And yeah, it's a, a a lot bigger of a consideration coming into that new season if that's really going to make a difference for a guy, you know. So, yep. which also, like you like to shit on Smitty, it really shows the whole MTF thing isn't <laughs> isn't working out like everybody thinks it. Yeah, has, you know? yeah. I mean, if it would have worked, Bar should still be there, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and Davy would have stayed there, and Martine would have stayed there, and yep. all these different people, and you know, yeah, it really opened up my mind exactly. and all that kind of stuff. So, but it's it's that same way though for everybody and stuff. Like, I'll, I'll you know, coach, coach like. He said, you know, all these people that want to be trainers, yeah. you know, whether it be on the, the actual riding side of it or the nutrition side of it. And, you know, the average fan doesn't really think about that. They're like, oh, you know, they're they're a trainer. They got it. They're got to be, yeah. you know, uh-huh. they got to know what they're talking about. Yeah. These guys, these billionaires and these top level athletes. It's kind of like when you think of football, you know, or, or baseball or basketball, you're not going to think one of those guys is going to hire somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about. But we do have that problem We do, in this industry. And I don't know why, but there are a lot of guys that like to pretend they know what they're talking about. And we just assume that, Oh, it has nothing to do with them, but it is because they're feeding their ride with the wrong information, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And we don't always, like I said, we don't always talk about it, but it's a conversation that has to be had. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's not always on the rider. I know that yep. they're the first person we want to blame because they're the ones riding the dirt bike, but it's not always on them. Yep. It's, it's yep. on the people that they surround themselves with, which is also their fault too. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's not, but a person can only process so much information before they have to have help from other people. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. I, I also love the uh, the little jabs. Oh, all the, all the jabs. And it was awesome. They're just, I, they're just subtle, like, humble jabs, if that makes sense. I wish yeah. I would have brought up the treadle thing, though, because I didn't know the yeah. coach had done anything with, with treadle. And yeah, that's definitely a topic I want to get on. I really wanted to ask him, like, where he... Th- thinks treadle's trajectory would have went i think it would have been high i really yeah. do i was high on the ian treadle train yeah. for a long time so it'd be interesting to ask him that next time he gets yep. on um and i just love the yeah synthetic hgh oh, <laughs> yeah. see but he, i like coach because he's yeah. he doesn't hold he's no bullshit yeah. no. he's no bullshit he's not gonna he's not gonna shy away from conflict i mean obviously he had to with the whole cooksy thing but that was because him and you know chris he chris couldn't get he that's didn't want just chris. having chris's back man, exactly so. and and but that's the thing though too that shows you how loyal coach is because a lot of people in this industry and we know the people that they are whether we know them personally or otherwise that they'll sneak they'll flip. they don't give a shit they'll flip on you yeah. and try to black snakes you know yeah. 
and coach doesn't seem like a guy that's he's pretty straightforward oh, he's yeah. gonna tell you like hey you know and and i hope that he didn't have anything to say off the air because he said something about you know hey uh conversation to be had but um yeah like he he's no bullshit he's gonna tell you like hey mm-hmm. these guys are doing it wrong yeah. yeah but i don't think coach I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves from he, the industry. 100%. And, and that was the point. Pisses was, me off. That was the point I was kind of trying to make there until I looked like a fucking idiot with the whole Dungy thing <laughs> was I thought he worked with Dungy a lot more years than that. Yeah. And it's like you see him work with Dungy for that many years and Dungy basically, you know, he's the diesel. He doesn't get hurt, doesn't do anything. And then Dungy switches over to Alden's program. He's there for four fucking years. Was that what it was? Maybe? Three, four. Three, four. Uh, 24. 15, 15, 16, 20, 17. I mean, he switches to Alden's, yeah. wins his four titles, and he's out. And I, I don't think he was out because he's overriding. I think, I think he I, was out because he was over... He's burnt out. Yeah, bur- it burnt because, again, what do they do at the Baker's Factory? They which is, turn him and burn him. Which is why a Coach is probably right. Coop's probably going to be the one guy that probably never does get burnt out yeah. because of just the way he was growing up. But, yeah. yeah, you look at all these guys, and they all got burnt out. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Every, I, if, every, if Coop does get burnt out, though... And that contract is that way. He'll he's got the leverage and be like, I'll go ride for whatever team I want. Yeah. And another guy that people forget about that actually trained with Elton for a little bit during the RV and Weimer days was Rattray. Yeah. Rattray trained with him too, and that that didn't last long either. No. And you're talking about a guy that Baggett, loved, Stu. Yeah. Well, people forget about Stu. People pe- because that was such a short lived thing. People yeah. forget about right after Ricky, it was Stu. Yeah. And it Stu was, went twenty four and zero with him. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then look what happened afterwards. Like yeah. after a year of it, he's like, I can't do this anymore. And then he starts yep. talking about the eating deficiencies and stuff like that. When Stu, Stu just always looked. Maybe he had that little bit of fatigue and made those mistakes and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It all makes sense. You look at Stu, and he was one of those guys. And this would have been a great thing to talk about with Coach because obviously he fucking knows. Hey, he'll be he'll be back. He's you look at Stu he's and he's scared. one of those, and we all know the types. But Stu was one of those naturally in shape guys. Mm-hmm. He had a naturally he was naturally fit. He yep. didn't have to work that hard. He even said it back to the one twenty five days. Oh, I don't train off yeah. the bike. I just do motos. And it was one of his quotes when he first got a lot of money. He's like, "Oh, what I do for training is is I do this in my Lamborghini. <laughs> like I'll go do motos all day long, but I don't train off the bike." Yeah. But Stu was always naturally in shape, which opposite Ricky was never like that. So it'd have been great to talk about with coach like how, you know, somebody is but like that's the thing. Stu didn't like to train off the bike. He liked to do on the bike work and then go have fun off of it. Yep. And that's the thing is is that I, that's why I dislike the fact that everybody's like, oh, all these guys that go trade with Alden, they become champions. They were champions before they went to Alden's. Alden, Zacco is the real only guy that he ever made a champion that was a champion, wasn't a champion before he went there. Yep. Other than that, everybody that ever rode for Alden that won a title had already been a champion before they went there. In the 250 class. Yep. And, and it annoys me that people are like, oh, Alden did this, he did that. No, he didn't. He just tweaked things. It had nothing to do with... <laughs> And that's the thing is, is anybody ever watches interviews that Alden will do when he's talking about riding? Yeah. You know what the fuck he's talking about? Yeah. He has no fucking clue. So I don't know. I just, that's why I don't like the, when people say, oh, they wouldn't have won a title without Alden. It's bullshit. Even Anderson won a title before he went there. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I, I wish that more people understood how smart Coach is 
and the fact that he doesn't get the respect well, that he hey, deserves. We're, we're trying to get it out there, buddy. Yeah, we'll try to get it out there. We'll try. So, but, I mean, maybe we have, we'll have, we have to collab with little Johnny Hopper. To what I just he's usually on, I just but. thought about. Wow, I thought I thought it was always funny. It was like, yeah, for the viewers out there, and I'm like, yeah. well, you gotta I'm understand, like, I mean, we're running a real limited viewer. It's not even like it was back in the day. We'll, we'll hey, have to that, collab that, with old Johnny Hopper there. Oh yeah, that'd be real cool. But but that is something I have to say of with him is that he is and i've told him before too, coach there he's way too nice <laughs> like, very accessible oh dude like you would not believe the text he sends me thanking me and all this stuff and i'm like you don't understand you're doing more for me than more I than also we are for, for him yeah. so like but i think that goes back to how forward he is yeah because he yep. realizes like hey not many people would let him say this kind of stuff but but that's just something too for the viewers that are out there when he says hey email me you don't have to be a customer to get an answer out of me Cole, you can that, email him? that is not a lie i've thought about it he will coach? he will Do it. where's this pool get this get this money pool going let's he see will, what kind of money we got will, coming in he will help you out if you really if you email him and you want it you know let's well let's, let's see what kind of backing we can get i don't well you need to call uh, rusty I'll go. The, I already looked at the schedule. There's two races in Wisconsin. There's one at Muddy Creek. Oh, there you go. Like, See, we're in. Get Rusty to bring out one of them rental trailers. Hit the back there. half of the East Coast. Yeah, we'll go. It's definitely we'll a lot go, better we'll than last this. year's schedule. We'll load the gas gas and the 250F up, and we'll go. We'll make a series out of this, man. Yeah. We'll do a I, vlog. I know. We really could. It'd be fun. It'd it be cool. It would be a good time. It would, it be, would cool. be a good time. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Dude, it's been well, three Well, I got to go home and train on the Xbox. I'm working on my racecraft, and Rusty Nuts is... Uh, yeah, I haven't eaten all day. I'm training later, too. Forearm training. Up. What? What? What are you guys talking about? I was talking I about Xbox. Forearm uh, training? I was talking for your forearm training. Yeah, I was talking about Xbox, man. The old lady lives with me now. Okay, we're just That's rambling. That's not going to make your forearm stronger. We're, That's we're just rambling. We got to get past forearm. this here. What forearm are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Quit talking when we wrap this up. Your forearm, man. Oh, my God. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. All right. Everyone, thanks yes, for tuning in wrap to another episode up. of the Moto Aftermath <laughs> Show presented by TLR Coatings and Premier Custom Trailers. Again, also JT Cycle and Dirt Bike Depot on board here. Episode number 159. Not bang or about mid, do. Mid-season wrap-up here. Talking to Halfway Coach Rob. Away. Thanks again to Coach Rob for coming on. Uh, make sure to check us out on all the major social media networks. And we will be back next week wrapping up Daytona. You're not in Daytona. Right? You're not I'm going not going this year. Are you guys coming in studio next week? Yeah. I'll be here. I you think I'll be here. here. I'm going to try yeah. to make it to every every wrap-up show now. Okay. Not all my right. schedule. Yeah. We're keeping it the same time, 6 to 9. No more ghosting. 6 to 9, giggity. Man, I was there was a lot going on I now know. that everything's calmed down. I know, down, I, know I know. Did you just really six did you to just nine, do a family guy? Giggity. Giggity, yeah. Giggity, giggity. Giggity, goo. Maybe you can hit up Mosman again. And the see ghost if, is back. The, I'm gonna, I'll DM him and see if he responds. All right. So, all right. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you all next week. <laughs>